Episode 7 of Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour. Joining me in the parlour today, virtually that is, because I'm in my bedroom. In fact, I'm in my bed. You didn't need to know that. Is the absolutely splendid Matt Farr, who is uh, one half of Dissecting Worlds podcast. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the parlour. Pull up a pew, have some cake. Thank you. It's, uh, I like what you're doing with the place. It's good, isn't it? I wasn't yeah. expecting all the embargoed pictures of Prince Harry naked, but you know. Well, do you know what? I love me a bit of naked ginge, like... I, I, that sounded so bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's staying in, though. It was never going anywhere good, was it? Let's be honest. <laughs> I love Prince Harry. I think he's brilliant. In, like, a totally ridiculous way. It's like... <laughs> Actually, anyway. someone, uh, I overheard a conversation at work about it this morning. If this goes out in three weeks, it's going to be horrendously, like, old-fashioned by now. <laughs> but some, uh, a work was saying, oh, he's not very good. He's been he's playing strip poker, and, you know, he, you know he, he's taking all his clothes off. He can't be any good at it. And I was thinking, like, if you're playing strip poker and you've got your clothes on, you are losing. <laughs> But surely you'd want to see everybody else with their clothes off. Yeah, but surely the point was like every. Surely the point of it is everybody takes their clothes off. You know, if you're the only one wearing clothes, they're obviously letting you win. True. True. Oh, oh do God, don't let me take a shirt off. Ooh. Yeah, that'd be actually a little bit offensive, wouldn't it? Yeah. I'd be quite quite offended by that. I'd be terrible at strip poker because I don't know how to play poker. <laughs> or good at depending on your perspective. Well, yeah, that's true. It depends who else is playing, really, doesn't it? Whether whether or not. Anyway, this is going into deeply strange territory already for those who don't know what dissecting worlds is do you want to share it with the world sure dissecting worlds is a podcast in which me and my friend kihar sit around pick a geek universe and kind of talk around it in the sense of how it would impact in the real world how it actually kind of works so you'll pick an aspect of you know say we did a podcast, for example, on, say, the military aspects of Battlestar Galactica, what it's, what's his real-world analogies, why it works a certain way. I know that sounds very dry, but largely it's just us going wildly off-topic and, you know, arguing with each other, as I recall. But essentially, it's an attempt to kind of investigate fictional universes, where they come from, how, why, they like, why they are like how they are. 
if you see what I mean. So rather than saying, oh, it doesn't work because of X, it's trying to say, well, actually, it works because it's like this or because this real society or this real culture solved these problems this way and it's perfectly reasonable to, you know, have your Muggle agency work that way. Hmm. I feel slightly bad now that I've never listened to an episode of Dissecting Worlds. You're not supposed to say Sorry. I'm not supposed I'm to. I'm covered for you. No. <laughs> but do you know what? I d- I'm terrible with podcasts. I think it's like editing my own has massively put me off ever listening to it. <laughs> I've got a lot better recently because um, since we got this new car, it's got a socket I can plug my phone into. Ah. Listen to them on the way to work. I used to listen to loads when I used to have like a, a data entry job because I'd literally just stick my headphones on for seven and a half hours and, and like twiddle away. But now I've got a job where I actually have to interact with other people, so I can't listen to them at work anymore. Yeah, they don't let me do that at work, sadly. But my husband listens to loads, so I've sort of started listening to random ones, that whatever he listens to, which means that some days I'll get quite good ones that I've, it turns out I quite like, like Mark Kermode's podcast. And um, there's one called How Did This Get Made or something like that, which is basically... A guy who is in, I think he's in The League, which is a very good TV show, by the way. And some other guy who I don't know and some bird I don't know either. Watch shit films and then discuss them. And as much as I actually like the podcast, because it's really funny, it did mean that me and Rich had to watch Batman and Robin the other week so that we could... You never, you never ever have to watch Batman and Robin. I, do you know what? Rich put it on because he said he wanted it fresh in his mind for when he listened to this podcast. And I'm just thinking, <laughs> what did I do to deserve this? Have <laughs> I not really been a good wife? Have I not, you know, paid my dues in a wifey manner? I don't understand. I saw that at the cinema and that was enough for me. I'm you know, I never going back to that it. film more than I've seen like Batman Begins. And it, it really upsets me to know that. Ugh. Why? Why did you watch it more than once? Well, I watched it. I think I watched it not long after it came out. I didn't see it at the cinema, but I saw it not long after it came out. And then a couple of years ago, my sister was like, yeah, let's have a... We'll come over to my house. We'll have a girly night in. We'll get drunk. We'll watch some comic book films. That was one of the ones that came on. And we sobered like that. I'm not even kidding. It started and we were like, oh, we're so drunk. Look at these guys hockeying about the... Ah, he said, everybody chill. And it's Mr. Freeze. About 25 minutes in, we were both like, can we turn it off? It's really hurt in my head. Can we turn it off? <laughs> 20 years of superhero movies and that's the one you picked. Uh, it's quite s- impressive in its own way, actually. I blame my sister. She's got terrible taste in film. <laughs> so let's come and watch some comic book films. I've got, you know, that shit one and some other shit one. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Have you got... You could do a whole season of really bad comic book movies because there's certainly enough of them. Oh, there really are. There really are. It's like whenever you see some, you know, bitch or something like Green Lantern, which is, you know, pretty mediocre, but it's not terrible. You think, yeah, guys, it's been really bad. Yeah, Green Lantern is fine. It's neither, it's fine. It's, it's not... neither here nor there. It's just a film where you get to see Ryan Reynolds quite pert buttocks quite often. The is, there's other films <laughs> that, where that happens. There's probably websites where that happens. They don't even cost you rental. Uh, what? Where? Why am I talking to <laughs> you? Um, <laughs> Anyway, so that's enough of that, I guess. Uh, which kind of segues, sort of, into the first thing that I want to talk about, which I am going to say right now to everybody who listens, that I'm going to spoil the absolute mother-loving hell out of this. It's The Dark Knight Rises. Because let's face it, how could we have a podcast now and not talk about it? That'd be crazy. So I'm assuming you've seen it. <laughs> there was like two films that I came out this summer. It's like I will get a babysitter for, and that was Avengers and and Dino Rises. Oh, good choice. So that, they were they were the two. I was like, those two I'm seeing. Good. <laughs> I've already managed to see three for God's sake. So you know, 
I am. Um, me and Rich made the mistake of seeing this on opening day, and it totally reminded me why I don't normally go and see films on an opening night. Like, was it full of nerds dressed up as Catwoman? Uh, no, actually, that would have been preferable to what it was full of, which was large groups of people talking constantly, chewing constantly, shouting at the screen, and laughing at inappropriate bits. I was quite genuinely sitting there thinking, if if they don't be quiet, I'm going to go over there and shove the popcorn so far up their arse, they, they'll be able to taste it. Like, oh, yeah. I, I get a bit used to that now, because we've started taking Ewan, who's 10, to the pictures. So you and kids showing some just pretty used to that kind of bad behaviour now. Yeah. It just drove me insane, because I was just thinking, why would you pay £6.50 to come and sit and chat with your mates when you could do that for free at home or in the pub? Like, fuck off and let me watch my film. But anyway, that's that's another rant for another day. Um, so the film itself... That's the rant of every film-themed podcast in the history of the world, isn't it? Yeah. Well, this is the thing. I mean, usually... If you don't like films, don't film. go and see them. It's simple. <laughs> Me and Rich usually go and see films like two or three weeks after they've come out or like on a Saturday morning at about 10 o'clock. So there's like three other people there. But um, we just could not wait for Dark Knight Rises. So we, no, we had to wait a week till we could get a babysitter. And Ass. it was just like slow torture because you could see people on Twitter talking about it. And then there's, there's the kind of various kind of issues around it started to float up. And kind of like, I don't want to read this. I don't want to know. I want to make my own decision. Yeah. So go on then. What did you think on the whole? What did you think of the film? I really liked it. I don't think it's as good as The Dark Knight. Um, Ooh. Yeah. I, I think it's better than Batman Begins, but bear in mind, I like all three of them quite a lot. I'm a big fan of Christopher Nolan generally. Yeah. The weirdest thing about it, though, is that I kind of left the cinema after it and I thought, I really liked that, but I, had, I would have absolutely no interest in seeing another one in that style. It felt like it, it finished it, and I felt at the end, like, I've got closure now. That's that's done for me now yeah you know when they inevitably reboot batman you know then when they give it to michael bear whatever to do then i kind of want to ruin i kind of want to do, do a different style if you see what i mean yeah yeah definitely like that because it's such a distinctive take on that mythology and i really like it but it's kind of like that's your, he's made his three films i mean for god's sake how many superheroes get a trilogy worth mentioning and it's like yeah that feels like it's finished it felt like a natural end that kind of closure scene, I thought, oh yeah, I like that. That's oh, good. I, I, thought it story. Was so, I thought it was so open-ended that I was just like, oh, I want to see what happens now. And did no, no, you it. don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't want to see what happened now. I like Not even no. with Thingy Gordon. What's it? Oh god, no, I'm even. terrible at names. What is his name? John Gordon Levitt. Is it John? Is it John? I don't know. No. I don't know. It begins with. Maybe it's Gordon John Levitt. <laughs> <laughs> you know that guy from uh, what was he in that film with Heath Ledger? Nope, can't remember. Oh, well, it's gone. Oh, yeah. Yes, he was, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember the name of it either. <laughs> they were at school together. Um. Anyway, no, I thought that was a really intriguing ending. Like, for me, when we came out of the cinema, because, like, stupidly, we booked tickets to see it at, like, nine o'clock on the night because a friend of ours who was coming with us didn't finish work till about six or something and had to go home first because he does a very manual job so he has to go home and have a share and blah blah so we booked tickets for nine o'clock and then he booked the afternoon off <laughs> to go and see it and we were like oh you bastard uh, but we couldn't change the ticket so we went at nine came out of the cinema it just gone like midnight and we were all so hyped up by how awesome it was that we had to go we, we all went i cannot go to bed like i literally could not go home and go to bed now so we ended up going to the pub we just sat there talking about the film and i'm so glad the pub was quite empty because we probably ruined it for a couple it's definitely one of those films where i sat, sat at the end as the credits started rolling just sort of sat there in the silence as my brain just kind of ticked over kind of like going, what do i think of that what do i think of that you know not like i like it but it was kind of like 
I need to think, and you know, you need to, to, to sit on it and digest it a little bit. I thought it was really clever. I really liked it. Me too. I think the thing for me was that since I read Nightfall, which albeit was like only a couple of years ago, Bane, like, well, I only started reading comics like four or five years ago, so. <laughs> But Bane has been one of my favourite Batman villains. I think he's brilliant simply because he's got the personality of someone who shouldn't be a villain in the sense that he's very well spoken and he's very well educated and he's he's actually quite polite when he wants to be, but <laughs> not very Mexican in the film though, is he? Double R badass. Uh, no, not really. He sounded a bit like Sean Connery on crack to me, um, which was quite amusing. I um, I didn't have a problem with his voice. I know a lot of people did. I didn't I didn't have a problem understanding it, which I understand was something that a few people struggled with. Oh, I thought his dialogue was fine. Me too. I mean, I, I do think, though, that um, I think it was Mark Commode who said that the problem with it is if you're a person who relies on sound solely to or like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like, if if you rely mostly on sound to, like, process conversations, then it would have been fine for you. But if you rely quite heavily on, on the physical and the lip movements and things, well, you never see that with him because he's constantly got that, that mouthpiece mask on. Yeah, yeah. So, so you can see why some people would struggle because a lot of people are just thinking, oh, I haven't got a clue what, I don't know where I'm looking, what is he saying? <laughs> but, um, but I mean, it's, it's nothing that bothered me at all. I thought he was, uh, I thought Tom Hardy was absolutely brilliant. And I was so happy because after the Dark Knight... The backbreaking when, thing, which I quite, I quite like the fact they lifted that particular image. Mate, me and my friend Key, who's like... He's a bit of a nerd. Like, he's read a few comics and he likes the films and stuff, but he's not massively nerdy. He loves Nightfall. And we just turn to each other and we're, like, fucking high-fiving the... Like, I don't think I've read Nightfall since it actually came out. Really? Oh, see, I only read it a couple of years ago. And I, I thought it was um, it was brilliant. I loved it. Simply because I just think it's a genius plan and why has nobody else ever thought of just wearing the fuck out of Batman? <laughs> Until he's so, like, weak and just completely exhausted that you can just be like right in the kisser I thought it was brilliant but like in the film like, I was really worried when they announced that it was going to be Bane simply because I thought A how are you going to top the Dark Knight because that was the fucking shiz and B how are you going to do Bane because I was really frightened that they were going to go a similar route to the Bane from the terrible Batman and Robin Joel Schumacher film where he's essentially just, like, <laughs> he's some, just about in it in the background he's just, he's just like some roided up grunt who occasionally goes like Rah. he's good at Young Justice have you seen Young Justice I haven't I haven't you Totally seeing justice, it's fantastic, and he's used a couple of times in that. And again, he's used just like you know, he's off on his own agenda. He's you know, he's a smart, capable, yeah. you know, kind of ruthless. <laughs> to be cruel and calculating, those are those are the qualities about Bane that I like. It's the fact that he's not just like some insane weirdo who wants to hurt Batman for some reason. He's he's got fucking he's got a clue. <laughs> yeah, well, again, Young Justice uses him like you know, he has his own agenda. He's doing his own thing. So he becomes a bit of a nebulous... The couple of episodes he's in, he's a slightly nebulous presence. He'll kind of work with you if it's in his interest too. Then Yeah. Just oh. screw you over the second it isn't. Oh, I'm going to have to check that out then. <laughs> Add that to the myriad of things that I've got that I need to check out. I haven't seen all the first series yet. We've seen about 18 episodes, I think, because it's been showing on Cartoon Network uh-huh. over in the UK. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's really good. So it's, it's kind of like... Um, I'll, I won't take it too far off topic, but it's kind of like... You know the Justice League cartoon? Yeah. He was able to go a bit crazy by just pulling in random bits of the DC Universe wherever the hell it wanted to. Mm-hmm. Young Justice is taking the same thing. If it wants to use a character, it will. So it's all sorts of weird, you know, um, really D-list villains turn up in it. So it's often unpredictable what they're doing with the characters. And the actual lineup is is, is, distinct, is different. Not what we'd expect for a kind of team. It's not Teen Titans, you know what I mean, for a Young Justice lineup. Yeah. 
Like, oh. Miss Martian, for God's sake. Really? <laughs> really? Yeah, really. Mm. I, w- I would definitely have to check that out then. So many things to watch and read. Um, Pretty much the same. But yeah, but back to Batman. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb here now, right? And I'm going to say a word that I don't think many people will actually agree with me on. But I came out of this film struggling to think of any one thing that I didn't like or that I didn't think made sense or that I would have preferred going another way. So I'm going to just put this out there. To me, this film was perfect. There was I, I can't think of a single thing like scene or line of dialogue or anything that I would change. And I was sitting there in the pub afterwards trying to think of, of something that I could pick on about this film because I thought it cannot be a literally perfect film. I can't have loved it that much. And the only thing I could think of was that there was one line of Catwoman's dialogue that I struggled to hear because of a slightly overly loud soundtrack. And when that's your only problem with a film... <laughs> I'm not gonna... nothing. Le- I'm sorry, nothing leaps out. I still think that Dark Knight is better. I think Dark Knight's got a got a kind of unpredictable quality to it. That I don't. That it's that Dark Knight Rides is a bit. It's it's a bit more predictable in terms of its beats. You know, once you get a certain way into it, you can kind of tell where it's going to go. <laughs> I thought. I mean, it's not. It's, it's not necessarily criticism. It's not going to say something's wrong with the film. But you know, what I mean? after a certain point, I was like, right, you can kind of see how all this is going to play out. Although I would, I was expecting Alfred to pop back up earlier than he did yeah in some yeah. sort of like haha i am back master bruce <laughs> but i i quite like that. and that's the sort of thing that's upset some people i've noticed as really? well yeah that bit and we're gonna spoil the crap out of that one so yeah we are totally you know, the alfred kind of walking out on him and and other and bat and bruce kind of turning away from it and generally how they broke make started bruce as a kind of broken character you know i've seen some commentary people don't like that as an interpretation of batman but it's an interpretation of the goddamn character you know it's as valid an interpretation as he wears tights and you know says holy smokes robin let's go and get some <laughs> evildoers it's like you know there's what 60 goddamn years of this character i do find it funny when people sort of like i've seen a lot of criticisms about the the trilogy the whole trilogy in that a lot of people tend to think that it's not Batman in the sense that it's not the Batman that they know, if that makes sense. There's a lot of people pick on it for not being, oh, it's, it's not, you know, the Batman that I've read in this comic and blah, blah, blah. It's just but that's not... Right, if it was you, doesn't mean that it's an invalid version. All, all exactly. These... Sorry, it's, it's myth-making. You know, I'd, I'd love to see a version of Batman in the style of, the, in the tone, say, of something like the Avengers, the Marvel Universe stuff. Yeah, it's definitely. A very traditionally upbeat comic book. I'd love to see a Batman that leaps off a building, shoots three batarangs into three different villains, you know, lands on his feet, punches another guy, leaps into Batman and drives off. I'd love to see a Batman like that. But it's no, it wouldn't be a better or more true version than I think that no one's done. No one's gone for a very sort of specific thing. And he's very influenced by the year one style, if you've read any of the yeah. year one comics. I think I may have done, but yeah. I've got a terrible memory and probably forgotten. Long Halloween particularly. Oh, I love it is you know massively inspirational dark knight and dark victory which is the follow-up to it which is about catwoman and robin is very good as well mm-hmm. talking of catwoman i thought anne hathaway was brilliant at this i was i've got to admit i was one of the people who beforehand was a bit like anne hathaway but i think that's mostly because i've only ever seen her in uh the princess diaries or whatever the bullshit that was that she did so in my head she was like quite an innocent young girl <laughs> i've seen her in anything really it's a good good one to start with mate <laughs> is she like that in everything 
Uh, well, not in the Princess Diaries. <laughs> oh my word! But again, um, it's a very it's a very specific version of of Catwoman. Yeah, and never once does she try and twist her spine backwards to show a bum and her tits at the same time. Which is no, that was that was pretty good. And I d- the thing I liked the most about her was the um was the way she sort of manipulated people by sort of twisting herself into the helpless damsel in distress, and then you know the sexy you know using her sexuality to get yeah, what she wants, and then being the badass cat thief you know it's like cat thief no cat burglar <laughs> she just tea leaves a load of cats and then runs away that's the whole film but they, but never, call, they never call a cat woman do you notice no i noticed that never Which call I her quite, it's just I like just like. kind of cat burglar with kind of little cat ears yeah. but i tell you what what pissed me off was a load of people who were mostly people online who were saying oh don't like her costume oh, it hasn't got this and it hasn't got that i'm like yeah but it's functional and it looks fo- it's not you can't really go wrong with a skin tight cat suit yeah but i mean and again it's the style of the films they're trying to have as realistic a film as possible as you can be about a man who dresses as a giant flying mammal <laughs> you know <laughs> and has his own little private helicopter gunship mate his guns you know like, he tells selena off for pulling a gun on somebody Ooh. but has a, a gunship with bloody chain guns on it yeah but he's also got uh he added guns to that like that bicycle thing as well yeah it's like no pistols but don't don't even guns use guns except me right none of you can use guns i can no i thought they did think that was slightly strange but yeah but it's you know it's... let it off because it's awesome <laughs> and there's no there's, there's no real moment where it's like i'm bad man i will never use guns it's like it's in his character but it's not as i don't know what the phrase would be you know but he's not you know it's not as like as it's portrayed in other medium yeah 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 so when you went to see The Dark Knight Rises, did you get the Man of Steel teaser trailer beforehand? No, but I have seen it on the interwebs. Oh, well, I'm sure there's two, and I've only seen the one because some I've people... Seen the, I've seen the Deadliest Catch one, where he's on the fishing trawler. <laughs> see, the one that I've seen is essentially uh, random shots of a washing line with some clothes sort of wafted on it, and then a dog, and then a brief bit of Superman flying the end. Yes, I think that's the one I've seen, yeah. But the yeah. one I've seen had definitely had some bits with boats on it. It may have had boats, I can't quite remember. I just like Black Snyder. Do you know what, though? I almost wet myself out. Like, literally nothing happened in this trailer, and I got so excited it was stupid. <laughs> Snyder. Yeah, but... but I oh, wait, he's not writing the script, so that's a bonus. Yeah, I don't actually mind him that much. As long as, like, if you can just tone down the the slow mo, that would be great. What I have with Zack Snyder is all his films have. This is going to sound really pretentious, so I apologise, Vance, but he's got this kind of fetishistic relationship with violence. All his films are like, you know, his version of Watchmen and Three Hundred and this sort of. So it's all like, hey, look, guys, violence is cool. Look at it in slow motion with rock music. It's like, fuck off, violence isn't cool. <laughs> Okay, I can kind of see. And all right, you can do that as a stylish thing, and I, I quite enjoyed 300, and I, I have issues with watching the film, but I don't, you know, I don't dislike it. But Superman, violence is cool. Is that the message? <laughs> I, d- I don't, that'll be the, me- I don't know. I just like the fact that, I, I don't know if anybody else, well, I'm sure people did notice this, but to me, like, the trailer seems slightly faded, which makes me think that it's, you know, colour-wise, which makes me think that it's going to be a little more grounded in a, some sort of reality. I say that because obviously it's not going to be realistic because he's an alien. And he's raised by shoot lasers from his eyes on a farm. Yeah, and he's got superpowers. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? It's like you know this version of Batman was a more it was grounded in our world, if that makes sense. 
And I get the feeling that this might be a bit more like that, which is quite exciting to me. I just, I can't wait for this. I just don't want to see another fucking origin story. I'm sorry. (laughs) Do you know what? I do have to agree with you there, simply because I think that Superman is a guy who... Give it maybe 10 minutes at the start, if that. You could easily do a montage type thing and then just leap in with him at the day. I mean, if you look at the beginning of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2, it gives you Spider-Man's origin in the opening credits, and that's it, for people that haven't seen the first film. Yeah. I don't know why you'd go and see Spider-Man 2 without seeing the first one, but... No, but you, know, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, there you go. And, like, I mean, Spider-Man... I took you to see it the other week and you know they, they assembled a great cast decent direction big budget and they told Sam Raimi's Spider-Man film again with a different villain <laughs> see now I actually preferred it to Sam Raimi's it might be slightly better but it is the same goddamn film it's, it's, it's the it's same that, story it's oh, the yeah. same film it's got the same bloody stupid plot beats to it they even cast someone who looks vaguely like Willem Dafoe <laughs> to play Stacey's dad and they've no, got a cheesy no. scene where something like a you know blue-collar Americans go, oh, we'll help you, Spidey. Look, here is our American flag. Just like Sam Raimi did with the cable car scene. I do I do sort of agree with you, but... They forget um, to hire a scriptwriter. <laughs> oh, you're uh, getting quite helpful up about this, aren't you? <laughs> I, uh, it's really annoying me because I, I enjoyed it, you know, and I went to yeah. see it I enjoyed it. And there's a lot of talent. It's well-directed. The script, in terms of dialogue, is quite good, even though in terms of plot, it's pretty tragic. Andrew Garfield's good, um, you know, the, Sally Field and um, the guy who, the President of the United States <laughs> for the West Wing, whose name temporarily escapes me, is really good. Yeah, everything about it, really good, apart from the plot, which is just laughable. And they assembled all that and made all that effort and just thought, oh, we don't need to bother with the plot, really. I think the thing for me that made me enjoy it was the fact that, despite the fact that I went into it not expecting much because I was thinking, oh, here we go, Spidey's origin again, like I haven't heard this before. Within about five, ten minutes, I was already forgetting that Raymond existed because I was so sort of like lost in this one. And I think it helps having a female character in it who's not a complete wet blanket. Like, I absolutely hate... The thing I hate about Raimi's films, and I'm not I'm not ragging on Kirsten Dunst because I don't think she did a bad job with the dialogue and the and whatever that she had, but I think that they wrote Mary Jane to be the limpest leaf of shitty damsel in distress lettuce that I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, all she ever did was whine at, at Spider-Man and get captured by shit. Like, <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. Like, I'm not one of these people who expects every representation of every woman in every film to be strong and inspirational because that's not realistic you know there are women out there who are you know twats or feeble or you know that every sort of like right there's a rainbow of women out there i don't mind if some of them get captured in films that's okay by me what bothers me is when they're constantly doing it and there's little more to their character than oh shit i've got caught Fuck. <laughs> Especially when you're getting into comics, because it's such a hot button issue at the moment in comics, seemingly. Yeah, I am. Um, I mean, I don't really have a problem with the representation of women in comics. I, uh, I'm not a typical woman when it comes to this sort of thing. Well, to be fair, I don't, I don't read a lot of comics anymore. I, I used to read like dozens and had dozens and dozens of long boxes. Now I just tend to stick with graphic novels. Yeah. Um, and and buy collected and trades and stuff as stuff comes out. So I'm always perpetually kind of slightly behind. I've never been a big superhero comics person. I've never owned a Marvel comic in my whole life. Bizarre. Really? We well, uh, should start reading Deadpool as well then. I told Jenny this last episode, now it's your turn. I mean, I've seen all the films, I've seen all the cartoon series, mm-hmm. you know, but that's how I've absorbed that kind of background. I've got quite a lot of trades of like Superman and Batman and stuff like that, but Marvel side, if it's not been a cartoon or a film, I have no clue. 
I don't know what to do. I'm going to get kicked off now, aren't I? That's it. No, it's fine. Shortest podcast ever. <laughs> no, I mean, for me, like, in terms of women in comics, this is a massive tangent, but I don't mind. In terms of women in comics, like, I don't have the, the general issue that most people have of, oh, they've always got the tits out or their arse out or whatever. Because if I have a problem with the costume, it's more to do with the functionality than it is to do with the fact that their tits are out or whatever. Like, for example, any character with a cape immediately annoys me because a cape will just get in the way of shit. It has no use whatsoever. We've all seen The Incredibles. Yeah, that was that about to say. When you've got a fucking cape, it is stupid. And I've always thought that. I've always, like, I've never understood. It just gives your enemy something to grab hold of, or for you to get caught up in things. Which... It looks cool when you're posing on your rooftop. That's what it's for. But only if there's a good wind. <laughs> when isn't there a good wind? Well. That's why you're on a rooftop, so the draft gets you. <laughs> That's why you never see them posing on street corners. Mm. Obviously, in some of the costumes, if they post on street corners, they get the wrong kind of attention, I suppose. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, yeah, that's a whole whole tangent. So, um, I enjoyed... I think that's how they support their crime-fighting lifestyle. Who's <laughs> on the rooftops to intimidate criminals, and then, you know, went on a quiet night, you know, Batman's down on the street corner in his cape going, Fat job. <laughs> oh, I don't think I'd like to see that part of the films or anything. It's going to be on the deleted scenes of The Dark Knight Rises. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> no thanks. Oh dear. I'm so excited though for when The Dark Knight Rises comes out on Blu-ray because me, Rich and a bunch of our mates are blatantly going to just have to have like a, a Nolan Batman day. We're totally going to do that. We're gonna, like, I'd actually really be interested in seeing them in close succession to see how... Because you know they were planned out and they haven't done that thing that filmmakers do and say, oh yes, we totally always planned it out totally always they've been quite open and said no we've just made them one at a time but they've tried to they did so many callbacks yeah tried to stitch it all together i'll be interested to see how well that that stitching kind of holds up when you watch them through well that'll be quite cool a couple of days before we went to see dark knight rises me and rich watched batman begins and the dark knight and i said to rich the, the biggest thing that hit me was i remember when i watched batman begins and i was like holy fuck nuts this is the greatest thing that's ever been in my eyes watching the dark knight so soon afterwards it was like this is infinitely better like it kind of tarnished not tarnished but it took the shine off of um, batman begins a little bit watching it so like close after the it's just, mm, it's still brilliant. I mean, but it's it's like X-Men, for example. I thought X-Men was an absolutely brilliant film. And then X-Men 2 came out and I was like, I love it. I loved X-Men 2. X-Men I 2. really loved X-Men 2. Fantastic. I thought that's like one of my favourite superhero that, films. That opening bit with Nightcrawler, fucking amazed tits. Loved it. Yeah, shame it all goes wrong with the third one. Do you know, I don't even remember the third one. That's how much of an impression that had on me. That's the weird thing. I think that's why I really enjoyed First Class when it came out. <gasps> Just because I didn't expect much out of it. Yeah, oh, but it was brilliant, you know, wasn't it? I know, I really, I loved it. I mean, but I didn't even see it at the cinema. I got it on DVD and I was like, yeah, well, I've heard it's okay. And I've heard people say it's better than you think it's going to be. And I was just like, going, wow, why the hell didn't I go and see this at the cinema? Yeah, we saw it at the cinema because it was back when we had our Cineworld card. So we'd go and see anything. <laughs> like, Woohoo, it's free. But yeah, I wasn't expecting much from that. But no, it's fantastic. So now I'm looking forward to like the sequel to it, which, you know, just set myself up for disappointment, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. It's going to be like the next Marvel film to come out, you know, when that comes out after Avengers, everyone's going to be like, it's going to be the best thing ever, it's going to melt our brains. Mm. And you're going to go, it's all right. I'm slightly concerned about Thor 2, because I don't think... I liked Thor, but I don't think it was, like, the greatest film, and I don't think it, it deserves or, or requires a sequel. I thought Thor was the weakest of the build-up films. 
I think actually no Incredible Hulk is the weakest of the other films apart from which one but um, Thor I thought was the second one oh see I thought Cap was the weakest one because that felt like a trailer for the oh, just I, for me I, I loved Cap oh, see it was I think I'd built that up too much in my head what with Cap being my favourite character for quite a long time and the reason I got into comics so I was that in my head I was holding it up on such a pedestal that I was like I cannot wait for this to be in my eyes And I just love the fact that they made a kind of almost like 1960s World War Two movie the real kind of period piece movie I absolutely was just like yes that's what I wanted see I really I would have preferred uh, that film would have been better to me if a lot of the special effects weren't so shitty because a lot of them were terrible and if um, what's his face's accent had not been so dire it was so pantomime villain and I hated it I was like oh that's, that's what you're hiring for you go weaving you mean yeah, yeah. that's what you're hiring for isn't it I could not take him seriously as a villain. I was like, mate, even I could defeat you. See, I thought, that's why I can't take him seriously as Elrond. I just assume that Elrond is a villain every, subconsciously. Every time <laughs> I see Lord of the Rings now, I just, I just assume he's like he's really on the wrong side. <laughs> he has got an incredibly creepy face, though, hasn't he? Um, I'm a big fan of Fringe. I don't know if you watch Fringe. Oh, I'm about to start watching that. I'm a big fan of Fringe, but John Noble has now insinuated himself into my brain as Walter Bishop. And so we're watching, uh, Lord of, re-watching Lord of the Rings last Christmas, and I was like, oh, Walter, what have you done? <laughs> I haven't re- I, I, Do you know, I haven't seen Lord of the Rings since I saw him at the cinema. We've always got, had a tradition that over the Christmas break, we do like, we, we pick a big movie trilogy or something and watch it over consecutive days because it's good for the kids and we usually stuck in and we try not to do our usual kind of sad computer gaming habits. And and so we always tend to pick a geek trilogy, so either Star Wars or Indie or Lord of the Rings or something like that, unless it was Lord of the Rings. So. Nice. And this year we'll just look at our DVD collection and go, mm, I don't know, might be Batman if it's out in time. <laughs> I'm quite excited for, um, I think Rich has pre-ordered Avengers Blu-ray box set thing that's got like leading up films. I know, I was just looking at that and thinking, do I, do I want that? Well, yes, I do want that, but you know. The, the only problem it. is, like for completeness sake, if we do uh, like an Avengers weekend or something and decide to watch them, we're going to have to watch Cap again and I don't know if I can do it. You totally have to watch, you'd even have to watch Incredible Hulk. Do you know, I actually, I didn't mind Incredible Hulk. I think the Hulk's biggest problem is that he's dull yeah after you've seen him smash once or twice it's kind of like oh that's all he does he's like he's one of these characters the problem the problem i have i like i like again i liked a lot of the incredible hulk but he just in the end it's just two big cg creatures punching each other with no dialogue yeah i I think that's why he worked so well and was so brilliant in the avengers because you got to see a bit of dr banner and a bit of the hulk but it wasn't like his ages of dr banner being really angsty and trying to run away from stuff and trying to hide from things and his ages of the hulk just punching stuff well they got a bloody tv series out of it didn't they back in the day and yeah i'm not sure how they did that yeah, I think it was just the same story every week. It was that period, wasn't it? <laughs> Hulk goes to town. Bruce Banner goes to town, gets menaced. So David, they called him David Banner, didn't they, in the TV series? Did they? Yeah, because they thought Bruce Banner was a stupid name. Obviously, David is less stupid. It's a fine enough name. What's wrong with Bruce? And he, um, I assume it's just like he goes to a town, he gets menaced by, you know, evil hillbillies or whatever. <laughs> You know, and they push around a bit, and he goes, "You wouldn't like me when me angry, me smash, boom, and that's it." And everyone goes, "No, you're the Hulk," and then he moves on to the next town. Oh, it doesn't help either that I hate the way I hate the way that Hulk talks. It's like the littlest hobo with more punching. He's um his voice. Well, the the way he speaks to me is almost as annoying as Bizarro. Like that's top of my list of things that piss me off in comics. That is. You should totally be a villain in the next Superman film. That'd be great. 
<laughs> Bizarro. Oh, I fucking know. <laughs> I'd hate to have to write his dialogue. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Do you know what? It doesn't make any sense either because the whole opposite thing, if you read most of the comics that Bizarro's in, they cannot keep it up for a full comic. Have you read All-Star Superman, Grant Morrison's All-Star Superman? I have, yes. With that whole section on Bizarro World, that did my fucking head in. <sighs> that was that was where that series like really troughed. <laughs> Well, I, going, I don't understand this because all the dialogue's in reverse and it's really having to make me think. But the thing is, even if you think logically about it and reverse it, that it's still, like it doesn't make any actual human sense. <laughs> I like comics that make me think. I'm a big fan of comics that make me think. I'm less fan of comics that give me a headache just to understand what they're trying to make me think about. Yeah, yeah. I just... Oh, bizarre, man. There's that... a few writers I have problems with like that as well. I mean, um, you know, uh, for books and stuff like that, where you sit and go, I know what you're trying to do, but you're just being too clever. Yeah, I sometimes find, it was like one of my favourite authors is um, Glenn Duncan who wrote I Lucifer and other things, and he's a little bit pretentious in his in his word craftery. In that sometimes I have to like pop a thesaurus just to. <laughs> I'm like, fuck, what does that mean? Shit. I mean, I was reading. Well, um, I, don't, I, I don't know how much how I don't know if what you like with books, but I was reading um, China Mayville City in the City when I was away recently, mm-hmm. and it's like. I really enjoyed it. It's kind of a cross between like what a sort of weird version of Wallander or something like that. You know, a kind of crime procedural in this kind of weird world. But he's trying to be very clever with it, and it's very kind of literary clever and a bit pretentious. And it just sits on the edge of being too clever for me. If yeah. you Whereas, like, I understand what you're saying, but you're getting in the way of your own story just by being too clever. And it just sits on the enjoyable side of it for me. But I can see how, as a writer, he will, people will get completely turned off that. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm just. <laughs> I was just scratching a very awkwardly placed itch, given the way that I'm sitting. <laughs> I'm having to like do a really drastic lean. <laughs> I thought I was going to fall off the bed. Um, I'm fine. This is why video casting will never catch on. Yeah, because I would forget that it's there and just like pick my nose and fart and stuff. <laughs> have to look at it. <laughs> you start there going, oh, just turning around, looking at something up on the ceiling. You know? <laughs> Yeah, there's that uh, that moment when I see a giant spider and shit my pants and run off and you all have to watch it. I don't know if, because I've got, I'm on a website called Blit Photo, which is where you take a photograph a day and post it up. You don't have to do it every day, but I like to try, even though my life's not quite that interesting. Um, but I took a picture on Sunday. It's terrible quality. Oh, it's I was innocently trying to do some washing and I'd put the purcell in the machine and I'd switch the machine on and I was putting the purcell back in the cupboard when and something just tickled my wrist and I looked down and a giant fucking tarantula type spider was was stuck to the box with one I'm, actually, I'm, I'm mildly arachnophobic I have to get Zoe to clear, clear spiders out of the way I'm um, not mildly arachnophobic I'm money spiders make me cry I'm so I can manage little ones but I, I remember having this moment where I, I, I got the jumper and I pulled the jumper on and I looked oh, there was a bit of fluff on the jumper and I pulled the fluff on the jumper and it whittled its legs at me yes. I nearly had a fucking heart attack oh my god no spider I, I pushed the box into the cupboard because his leg one of his legs was stuck in like a crease in the box I don't know how he'd managed that but so his front legs were going like mad wild like and just tickling the shit out of my wrist I screamed pelt myself into the hallway Rich was like what's the matter what's the matter he was upstairs having a bath I was like oh, you, 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 you. 
I had nightmares after watching. Do you remember Arachnophobia? The film Arachnophobia. Oh, don't mate. And I had I had nightmares after watching that. I don't know what possessed me to watch it. Because I, I, I should have known better. I don't know why I watched it either. Because you know the giant um, mechanical spiders at the end, fine because they look so fake and shit. It's fine. It's the ones that are just like oh, I think I'm just going to go inside you- your slipper. I'm just going to go in your slipper, and you won't know I'm there until I've killed you. It's not the thing. Why am I watching this? After I saw that film, I was like, every room I went in, I was like shaking my clothes before I put them on, checking all the corners, making sure I hadn't left any slippers or shoes on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Terrifying. Yeah, horrible things. Terrible. Rich wants to do like a movie marathon with a couple of our mates where we all pick a film that genuinely terrified us and, and that's what we have to watch. And I said to Rich, I'm going to have to watch Arachnophobia again and I really don't want to. <laughs> Why would you do that? Is that just so other people could watch you squirm? I think it's, I think the, the thing with Rich is that he just wants to like, he likes watching films and coming up with crazy like reasons to watch certain films in a row. Like, you know, he'll, he'll have like a, I don't know, a trilogy of, um, I'm trying to think now what ones we've done. Because we've done the obvious ones where films actually come in trilogies, but then he started coming up with mad groups so that we could put three different films in that all sort of joined together somehow. And this was his one idea. And I was like, no, but the problem is as well, I'm probably going to be scared of all the other films everyone else picks. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not going to be very good for me at all. I think the only film that really genuinely freaked me out oddly was Aliens, which I saw at too young an age. And I wasn't allowed to stay up to watch the end of it, sort of wisely. <laughs> I watched the first, like, hour and a bit of it, up to the bit where the um, the dropship crashes and they're completely fucked and stranded on the planet. And then I went to bed. Ooh. I never saw the rest of it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I didn't sleep. Oh, dear. There's been a couple of films that have really freaked me out, but it's mostly been stuff that's about things I'm already afraid of. Like, I really hate Hitchcock's The Birds because I don't like birds anyway. They're very unpredictable. <laughs> and they've got, like, giant poking devices in the middle of their faces. <laughs> I never really thought about about birds in that kind of way. (laughs) I hate them. I really hate them. The way they just look at you and like, no, no thanks. Um, (laughs) Anyway, should we get back? Seeing that inner dinosaur. Some sort of topic. Oh, Jurassic Park. There's a good film. Anyway, I really am going off topic now. I'm going to, because I've just sort of hogged everything there talking about the Dark Knight. So I'm going to let you ramble about something now. Oh dear! <laughs> um, I don't know because I I got a list of stuff because I've been watching oddly enough a lot of a lot of sort of superheroes on TV and stuff like that. So I was going to talk about the Young Justice, but you haven't seen it. Because <laughs> uh, there's a massive obviously with kids, you end up watching a lot of these kids shows. There's a big programming block on in the morning, so it's got like the new version of Spider Ultimate Spider Man. Oh yeah on it and the uh, Avengers cartoon both of which are actually pretty good because I remember the time when Marvel cartoons were sh- pretty poor <laughs> and in DC was where all the action was with Justice League and the Batman series and stuff Yeah, but the Ultimate Spider-Man I'm really enjoying it oddly enough has Clark Gregg playing Agent Coulson in it Ah, oh. he's like principal of their school but also Agent Coulson of S.H.I.E.L.D. in secret I caught a bit of that the other day and I couldn't um, I, I, did, I wasn't keen on the style it's I, I very really... reminiscent of Teen Titans, the old Teen Titans cartoon. If you Actually, watched. I never, I never watched that. That was good. See, I, I, you I, don't I, watch I, cartoons, and I don't read comics, so you know. <laughs> I do watch cartoons. I just don't watch the same cartoons as you. I'm, um, I'm addicted to Adventure Time currently. So I don't. What's the attraction of that? Can you explain to me what the attraction of Adventure Time is then? Because it's 
ridiculously weird but also stupidly cute so it, it appeals to me because I'm a bit weird and I like cute things it's like the Jamie Smart of television in that it's a bit fucked up and bizarre not as fucked up as Jamie Smart's work obviously but it's a bit it's a bit mental but at the same time it's so cute that you just want to hug it because <laughs> it's like I've seen the trailers for it and the trailers make it look like they're goddamn awful oh no it's wonderful but you do have to have a bit of a bizarre sense of humour and be a little bit crazy I think because everybody I know that likes it is is somewhat doolally I might, I might, uh, I might watch it. it's just they, they're plugging it like crazy on um, Cartoon Network at the moment yeah it's pretty in between big. everything else and it's like well but the adverts make it look terrible <laughs> I tried watching the regular show as well and that wasn't quite as funny as I was hoping it would be oh and they've redone the Thundercats Oh, I caught a bit of that. I caught a bit of that, but I never used to watch the Thundercats previously, so I don't have any point of reference. I used to watch Thundercats previously. They've redone it, but it, it takes, it's taking itself very seriously. It's got like a serialised plot, so I'm not quite sure how seriously I can take it because I expect it to be terrible. And if it's not terrible, I get confused. <laughs> I'm not sure it's any good, but it's like I expect it to be terrible, whereas the new Transformers cartoon is properly terrible. I haven't seen it. So that's like, that's normal service. That's fine. I guess it's just a hobby to the films. Oh, I am really, really bad at cartoons. I need to get better. Well, I said it on comics, unfortunately, because I only get trades. I And the only trades I'm getting regularly at the moment are Astro City, Atomic, Robo and Fables. I've just been doing a lot of catching up with Fables because I got very, very behind. I've just, just uh, a couple of weeks ago, got the most recent trade. So I'm as up to date as the trades are. Oh, how up to date is that? Uh, now, this is this is some sort of mutual spoiler standoff now, isn't it? <laughs> Well, uh, thing, I, that I, guy did that thing with the hmm. I think I'm only about 10 issues behind now, so I'm probably further ahead than you. Possibly. <laughs> Maybe. The Mr. Dark thing's resolved when I read up to. Right, yeah, and, me too. A, li- a little bit after that. Okay, I'm slightly after that too. Oh, wait, the trades come out pretty darn squicky then. They do seem to be pretty quick, yeah. Yeah, because I've just... Um, I, thought, I, I thought he'd completely run out of steam once he finished the kind of adversary war, and, I, and it hasn't quite enjoyed it. I am, um, yeah, I was slightly concerned when they sort of resolved the whole adversary thing, because it was such a big, well, it was the the thing, you know, the, the the big bad for so many issues that it got to the point where I was like, what what are you going to do after this that's even going to be slightly interesting to me? Because um, I've been reading the spin-offs as well, like I, I read Jack of Fables, and I've read the first Cinderella spin-off, and I'm halfway through the second. I haven't read that, I've heard quite good things about it though. Well, the Cinderella ones are really, really good, because they're a bit more sort of on the sort of detective spy kick-ass agent-y side which I like and they're really interesting Jack of Fables I think kind of fell off the horse <laughs> I think I've read it I've read Jack of Fables read about the first eight nine issues I think. well there's the, it stopped after 50 and I think the last sort of handful probably the last sort of eight to ten issues it's just like they, they didn't really know what to do with it anymore and just farted about doing a lot of random shite and then it just kind of ended and in a really strange way that uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i kind of like i read them all for completion's sake and then and then thought you know uh no nah. it's weird actually isn't it how fairy tales become like this big thing again yeah because um, two snow white movies and we've got two tv shows oh yeah what's the um because rich was watching once upon a time and I, I haven't seen every episode but i've seen enough to know what's going on and i thought it was pretty good yeah what i really the, enjoyed it what was the other one um Rip. Ah, yes. We started trying to watch that. Is it me, right, or does the lead guy in that look exactly like Brandon Ruth? 
was ridiculously so. I can't, I can't focus on anything other than the fact that I'm writing you Superman. You're going to tear your shirt and be Superman. What I found weird about Wonder Woman... You're going to be that guy from Scott Pilgrim who's awesome and got vegan powers. Please. Until he gets taken away. <laughs> the weird thing I've noticed about Once Upon a Time is the fact that, like, all, all the men seem to have this, like, stubbly thing going on. <laughs> I hadn't noticed. You know, like, the, they have the sheriff early on. He's got that stubbly thing going and then he gets written out and then another stranger comes to town who's also got, like, the leather jacket and the stubbly thing going on. I was like... Do their casting directors just like men with square jaws and stubble? <laughs> you know, it's like... Because you get it the other way around with women, don't you, that get cast into... Particularly with female actors, actors that get cast into these shows where, like, we must have some busty blonde. Here's a busty... You know, it's like... It's just the other way around in this. It's like the men have to be a certain type. Maybe it's because of, like, you know, traditionally in... in uh fairy tales that the men are all kind of ruggedly handsome and princely <laughs> yeah but given who some of these characters are I'm not going well, to I suppose, be, I, suppose yeah. I am because I missed a couple of the big reveals but I did think that the, the thing that I quite enjoyed about that was trying to guess who was who yeah I, I, I really enjoyed watching Robert Carlyle just like chew scenery <laughs> he does he does do a lot of that in this he's just really just going I don't care I'm going to be as ridiculous as I can mmm scenery mm, tasty <laughs> um, no, no. Let me put there's a, a lot of that because the woman who plays Regina is a bit the same isn't she um, yeah, Lena yeah. Peralia I think she's called and she's a bit the same she's just like vamping vamping around I do uh, I do think though that Jennifer Morrison is that her name I had a bit of a crisis of my own uh, knowledge there. She has got such a trope face, I can't... <laughs> I can't take it seriously. Disapproving face she used in-house. <laughs> yeah, I said to Rich before, I said I, I, I did notice it in-house, but she, her mouth just constantly points downwards in a very sort of troty, fishy fashion. I'm not, I'm not sure I can I can deal with it as a, as a thing. <laughs> I'm such a judgmental bitch. Oh, well. <laughs> No, I've quite enjoyed that. I can see why a lot of people went, this is just Fables, the TV show, especially because the network did try to develop a Fables TV show. Yeah. I sort of can, and and on the other hand, I can't. I mean, I did get a bit annoyed with so many people going online, oh, no, this is just Fables, I've just nicked it. Because it's, it's not. It's it's very similar. It starts out feeling more like it than it goes, I think, the longer. Yeah, it definitely. Yeah. the series, it definitely becomes it's very much its own thing. But early on, I was a bit like, mm, I can see why people are saying that. Yeah, I do love me some fables, though. And I'll tell you what, I picked up Fairest, the latest sort of spin-off-y thing. Have you seen that at all? I've seen it, I haven't read it. Is it collected yet? (laughs) I I don't think it is, because I don't think it's finished yet. There's absolutely stunning cover art by Adam Hughes. Like, if I wasn't already married, I'd try and marry that guy, because he's fucking talented as balls. I love it. I put the cover from Fairest issue one as my cover picture on Facebook the other day because I was getting sick of looking at my own face too often. And uh, somebody at work said to me today, did you draw that? I was like, fucking wish I did. <laughs> the bed. If I could draw like that, I wouldn't be working here, I tell you. I going to say. <laughs> oh, my word. No, it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. A lot of comic arts like that. I was thinking, you know, I wish I had a talent like that. I think Fables, like particularly the cover art, has always been very strong. Because James Jean is just, oh, you could just lick it. It's so delicious looking. <laughs> I don't think I would do the pages any good. Probably not, no, but... Maybe you need to buy two copies, one to store and one to lick. <laughs> one to read and one to... <laughs> you could then sell it on eBay, slightly licked. <laughs> Actually, when you're when you're rich and famous from running the parlour, then you know if anybody with a fortune, you could sell it. You know, with genuine saliva. <laughs> oh dear! You have really creepy fans wanting to buy it off you. Oh, the sad thing is, I, I reckon I know a few people who would. Instead <laughs> <laughs> of signing them, that's what you could do. You say, I've licked it for you. Though. I've just I've licked my name into the cover. Yeah. Like a new trend, we could try and get you know creators to do that for us. <laughs> 
I don't think and conventions. Any, any licked books, I'll be honest. Like, you know, I, I, I enjoy a lot of these people, but I don't think I want any books licked. Then you could, you know, <laughs> clone your own comics creator. <laughs> okay, that's that's a good idea, actually. Oh, I like where you're going. And you know, when you need something drawn for your wall, or you want, and you know, you don't want them to stop drawing that comic, you can say, right, get drawing, clone. <laughs> I'll, I'll write you an amazing story that's actually garbage. <laughs> you're like everybody else on the internet. You can write your own stories, except you will have an actual artist to draw them for you. Oh, that would be so amazing. As opposed to just writing blogs about how you know you didn't like this version of Batman because it's not what you would have written if you were a comics writer, but you're not. So you write a blog and get angry about it, which is, seems to be how most movie criticism works on the internet. Oh, we're, we're sort of veering into dangerous territory here, aren't we? Not really. Are we? I'm gonna. Well, I think I think I might be offending a lot of people today by picking on people with the wrong opinion. Well, not the wrong opinions, just different opinions to mine. Well, the thing is, that's. But I don't know. I, I I get slightly frustrated by that kind of level of debate you sometimes see around all these kind of films and comics and stuff like that. It's like just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's wrong. Yeah. No, and the the internet particularly seems to develop this level of debate, which is like you either have to love something or hate it. You know, because we mentioned Green Lantern earlier, and Green Lantern's not a bad film. It's not a great film. It's not a bad film. But you know, you you, you kind of have to hate. It's almost like in some cause you have to hate it. Yeah. You I, do you know? I feel the same way about Expendables. It's like if you go online, there are people who are championing it like it's the greatest film since sliced bread. And then everybody else seems to be saying, no, actually, this is a, a load of garbagey shite. And they're, they're all just yelling at each other. When actually I thought that film was okay, it's just it could have done with either less of a plot and more action or more of a plot and less action. It was I a little bit that. like, I, I liked it. it. It's nonsense. It's enjoyable nonsense, basically. But I think, I think that the problem with it for me was that it tried a bit too hard to have a plot and the plot didn't make any sense. So I could have done entirely without a plot if I just got to watch those amazing action stars just beating things up and blowing things up and, like, having fights in the middle of a fire. And I don't remember any sort of plot in Expendables at all. They just flew around the plane and shot things, didn't they? There, there was some sort of plot involving, like, some sort of political girly... Oh, was that guy who was in Dexter? Was the villain? Was he? Oh, actually, I can't remember. I, I vaguely recollect them going into some country to sort of do something to some sort of, like, dictator-type guy. And there was a girl involved, and they didn't want her to get mixed up in it, so they, like, kidnapped her or something. I like, don't know. Clearly the plot was the dog's bollocks, wasn't it? <laughs> See what I mean? But, like, if, if that hadn't have existed, I would have just been like, yeah, Stallone's punching someone but as it was I was struck sure wasn't they thought one of them was a bad guy and then they wasn't or something possibly was it Dolph Lundgren I can't remember I can't remember either I can't really can't remember but see like the bit I can remember about that film is the kick-ass fight at the end with like a uh, stone cold Steve Austin like busting up some faces it's like yes that was sweet um, well, that's what you want isn't it and I quite fancy going to see Expendables too and that's that's what you want you just want big dumb action you don't want exactly I, I hope that this one doesn't have a plot or it has a plot that makes sense and all the action and excitement because I, I would prefer it to have one or the other I don't want it to have a sort of plot that makes so little sense that I end up sitting there going oh now I'm lost trying to understand this plot and I don't care that Jean-Claude Van Damme's like kickboxing and things because I should care about Jean-Claude Van Damme kickboxing things <laughs> oh well eventually I'll see it I'm sure I'm gonna try and talk about some comics now because we've not been very good at that okay these are gonna be like pretty quick reviews I'm just gonna do- already stated I might just have to you know go mm. Well, I'm just. They haven't been out for six months. They're not collected. I can't comment. <laughs> 
I'm going to do them really quickly, simply because, partly because you haven't read them, but mostly because I read them a while ago and I've promptly forgotten nearly everything about them. So pretty much everything that I have on them is the one or two lines that I wrote down when I read them, which is terrible. First one was Punk Rock Jesus, which is by... It's written and drawn by Sean Murphy, who was the guy who did the art for Joe the Barbarian, I want to say. And that was good. And you should read it. I bet that's collected by now. <laughs> but it's basically, it's the story, it's a black and white thing, which I liked because, actually, I'm not sure why I enjoyed it so much. I, I just like it. They're in black and white. It's nice, isn't it? But the story of it is that there's uh, some scientisty person who claims that she can clone, make a clone of Jesus. And I'm just going to leave it there because I don't want to spoil anything else that happens in the books but it kind of revolves the main plot revolves around the guy who does the security for this scientist and he's pretty cool it's a very 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 interesting book and i'm intrigued to see where it goes the next one was um national comics eternity issue one which was written by jeff i can never pronounce his surname guy with a sweet tooth lemire or lemire not entirely sure with art by Cully Hamner and Derek Donovan and that is about it's it's almost pushing daisies-esque in the sense that it's about a guy who has the power to not bring people back from the dead but he can sort of drag their souls out of sold the moment you said like pushing daisies <laughs> Well, the, I love that show. See, I am. Um, I only saw a few episodes of it, but I do. I do want to. Um, I do want to watch the rest because I thought it was interesting. And this is very similar in that he he can resurrect people for twenty four hours, and he does that in order to solve their deaths, like murders or accidents or whatever. He he does that to, but. There's a really good twist in this one that I'm not going to give away because that would be pretty shitty of me. But it didn't go where I was expecting it to go by the end, but it was very, very good. I mean, you know, Jeff Lemire, Lemire person, is frankly... That Jeff bloke. Yeah, you know, that, that one who does Sweet Tooth. He is great, and I love him. <laughs> um, so Even though you can't say his name. I can't say his name, but the love is there. The thoughts are there. Yeah, it's just... And the art's really good as well, and that always helps. Because <laughs> sometimes, I mean, I, you know, sometimes the writing can be so good, but if the if the art's terrible, I'm not going to really be paying attention. Because otherwise, I might as well just read a book. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the last one that I wanted to talk about was the new um, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe comics. Um, <laughs> That's a hard sell, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Really? Yeah, come on. I love it. Love it. It's like saying, I've read this great My Little Pony comic. Oh, no, He-Man was fantastic. No, he wasn't. Yeah, he was. He, he had his biggest powers revealed to him when he held aloft his magic sword. Great. <laughs> oh, no, it was great. The thing I loved about the cartoon, like the 80s cartoon, was the grey little bits at the end that were almost like, you know, Jerry Springer's final thought. It's like, it's like Prince Adam's little nugget of truth at the end. It's like, oh, love him. Um, well, I definitely a kids, a kids' cartoon obsession. I never, I never had. Maybe I was too old by that point. I don't know. I don't know. I, I loved it, but because I've defended things like Battle of Planets and Mysterious City as a goal to the death, despite the fact objectively I know they were probably terrible. Never seen them. Ooh, well, they're just like He Man. <laughs> well, the comic, anyway, is not actually that much like the cartoon at all. <laughs> it's written by James Robinson, uh, with art by Philip Tan, and it's... Well, you don't really know where it's going, because it sort of starts with Prince Adam living in a forest as, like, a peasant, and he doesn't seem to know who he is at all or what he can do. But everybody else on Eternia seems to, and seems to want to keep him as a peasant in a, in a forest. So it's like, oh, 
bit strange but um Beastman made an appearance in this issue and he was badass and he looked awesome and uh, and I got quite excited by it so I would recommend like it's the kind of story that uh, having a knowledge of He-Man is going to help <laughs> simply because if you read it and didn't know who Beastman was you'd just be like why am I supposed to give a shit about this thing um, I mean it's so good you made you sing which is definitely a bonus <laughs> I do like a good sing. I am um, no. I, d- I think it's uh, what I liked about it is that it is a different telling of it. Like I know a lot of people like things to always be the same or you know very similar. Whereas I'm like you know I'm quite content for the turtles, for example. I like the fact that the comics were a bit sort of a bit darker and grittier and a bit a bit scary at times. And then there was the eighty cartoon show, which was like ah oh, tubular and like ridiculous. Uh, and and completely silly and so kitschy, stupid. And then you know the live action films were mental. <laughs> and then there was the CGI film, which was a bit more serious, but not as serious as the comics and kind of great. I like the CGI. I like the CGI film much. I'm really enjoying that. I saw the CGI one three times at the cinema. I loved it so much. It was really kind of unexpectedly entertaining. Yeah, it's got a plot hole the size of Texas, but I don't give a shit because it, it kind of but it tied in. Does it, it, it tied into the cartoon series, didn't it? If I remember rightly. It yeah, kind and of it, at all place in the continuity. Yeah, and and it sort of tied in with the um the live action films as well, in that it had references in their little trophy room to the things that they'd seen and done and defeated. And now they're letting Michael Bay reboot it. So I'm that's scared. the end of that franchise. I'm I'm scared of that. I'll be honest. Um, well, you I'm know, keeping, I'm keeping an open mind because it could. Michael be... Bay hates cinema. That's the only conclusion I can come to. It's uh, it, I always every time somebody tells me that Michael Bay is doing something else, I just think of that song from Team America about. Have, have you seen Team America? Oh yeah. Oh, I, I love that song about how Pearl Harbor sucks just a little bit more than I'll miss you. And that that line where he just like looks up at the sky and goes, "Why does Michael Bay get to keep on making movies?" It's like, yeah, that's true, mate. Only got worse since then. <laughs> he's the reason I can't take Matt Damon seriously. No matter how many death films he's in, every time he comes in, I just go Matt Damon, <laughs> and then Jenny pokes me in the guts with her elbow or something. Uh, that wasn't funny when you were doing it years ago. It's still not funny. Oh, I do it all the time, Matt Damon. Yeah, anyway, Matt Damon. I want to go see that again though. <laughs> I was like, I need to go. To, I need to see that again now. Uh, I've I just, seen it for a couple of years. I need to see it again. Uh, yeah, I think I do too. I think some some of the like little bits as well that really got me. Like I was creasing when I first noticed that in the opening scene in Paris, the streets of France are, are paved with croissants. <laughs> oh, and the flipping puppets doing kung fu and stuff is hilarious. It's just like one of those things. Like sometimes you sit and go, "How do these film? You know, how do these dreadful films get made?" And sometimes, but then they occasionally like the quality control slips, and something like Team America gets made, and you're like brilliant yeah you know fantastic I, I, part of me still can't believe they gave Chris Nolan 200 million dollars to make essentially a series of art house movies about Batman <laughs> and then release them in the middle of summer with like that kind of weird non-blockbustery pacing oh, and heavy character focus and then release them in July me and Rich watched a film I can't remember what it's called now by um, Chris Nolan because Rich was absolutely shocked that I hadn't seen all of his films now I'm only I'm only down to one that I haven't seen now which is quite impressive for me because I've barely seen any films ever um <laughs> But we Which watched one the one that I was the, the one that I watched was about a guy who started following people and then I don't want to spoil it, actually. Do you know which film I'm talking about? No, I don't, I don't think I've seen it one. Oh, it's it's a pretty early one. Oh, I wish I could remember what it's called. This is going to bug me. I can't go on the internet, though, because it might crash our conversation. <laughs> if I remember it, I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> it's a really interesting film, but 
so strange. It's very Chris Nolan, though. I, I liked it, yeah. So which is the one you haven't seen? Memento. Oh, you've never seen Memento? Nah. My version of DVD, you know the sticky, you know the setup of it, don't you? Vaguely, yeah. That it's kind of backwards because he's got the whole thing's backwards, so it's it starts with the 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 most recent event and kind of goes backwards because he's got no short term memory. Yeah. So the film's essentially the wrong order for the events, and as you're watching it, you're kind of you know trying to work out how he got to be where he was at the start of the film. But the DVD version has an option where you can play it the right way around. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, which is quite cool. The version of DVD we've got, it has an option where you can play the scenes in the, the, the in chronological order rather than in the reverse order they're structured in the film, which is really clever. Oh, wow. That's kind of awesome. It's been, again, been a long time since we've seen Memento. I'm going to have to watch that now, I think. Well, not right now because I'm recording a podcast, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Was there anything else you wanted to... Uh... Um, on the comics front, I wanted to mention Atomic Robo, which if you don't read, you should, because I, it, it's a comic I kind of discovered by accident and... It's just generally really, really good, and it's the kind of thing that I think needs politicising when, whenever I can. So Atomic Robo is written by Brian Clevenger and mm-hmm. drawn by Jacob Scott Wait, Wegener. I can't pronounce his name either. Wegener, I think. <laughs> and, it seems uh, so hard. It's like, it's, they've got this kind of, on the website for it, they've got this great kind of manifesto, which is basically saying this is what we want to set out to do with this comic, which is to make an all-ages comic that you can give to your kids and enjoy as adults. You know, it's not going to be angsty. It's not going to have the character sat in a corner going, oh, I'm bemoaning my existence. It's going to be, you know, an upbeat action, fun, but quite smart, witty kind of comic to try and to get away from some of the... It's kind of a reaction to some of the trends in, that they perceive in modern comics. Mm-hmm. Which makes it sound very kind of pretentious and whatever, but it's essentially just a big, up-tempo, pulp adventure series about a nuclear-powered robot who's built by Nikolai Tesla in the 30s and his adventures, and it comes in little uh, volumes, and each volume is a self-contained story, so in theory you could read volume 6 and you wouldn't have lost out by not reading them in the right order or anything like that, because it's not a big story arc. Ah. Individual volumes have a contained story, um, so every collected volume is a contained story, or sometimes a series of stories. And obviously you get something out of them by having read the other ones, but they've obviously got a master timeline somewhere because occasionally they throw forward to events and mm-hmm. then I'll come back to that story later on. But really, they're just really fun, up-tempo, really well-written, really well-crafted kind of stories that, that are reacting against some of the bad habits that you see people complaining about in modern comics. I don't read a lot of modern comics. It's hard for me to say how accurate those complaints are. Mm-hmm. If you see what I mean. But, you know, they're not, they're not having big meta plots great this great that and you know they're not you know again have, they're, not, they're not going gritty and dark and they're not you know they're just trying to have fun with it but have a comic that, that you or I could enjoy but a comic that I can give to you and you enjoy and it's really really good and it's the sort of thing where people that have read it really like it and people that haven't read it generally haven't heard of it so and they you know I, I just totally recommend it and they always do some of the free comic book games so there's samples I think I've got a free comic book of it, um, but I've not read it yet because I've got a, I've got such a big pile of things that I need to read that the free comic book day things are just so at the bottom. <laughs> you, to- you should totally look out at Atomic Robo because you know it's just it's fun, it's up tempo, it's action heavy, it's very very knowing and very pulp, mm-hmm. you know. And they've done adventures set in the forties and 50s, you know almost every decade. So like one of the stories is set in the thirties when he's starting out. There's one set during the Second World War. There's one set in the seventies. There's one set you know. So and then he and, and he talks to real people that's what, you know so Robo Turn teaming up with real people in the world it's just a really good fun comic and if I could recommend one comic to people I didn't think people would have read that would definitely be the one. Oh, sweet I've got a note here is what's this about you're not looking forward to Doctor Who oh 
what I'm really so I feel so bad about this right <laughs> last season about people not having wrong opinions right last season really disappointed me I love Matt Smith I like Karen Gillan I love Arthur Darville he's so delightful but my see right okay here's a here's a bombshell I'm gonna drop that most people disagree with cannot stand River Song think she's the shittiest thing to have ever happened to Doctor Who she's not an interesting character she's not a fun character she's not a character I like to watch and all this spoilers business pisses me off like just to such a degree that I actually wanted her dead the entire time it's about time to mention that I fancy Alex oh no she's very attractive Um, I'll give her that I'll give her that she's very attractive and you know she pulls off a lot of quite foxy outfits in it but as a character to have the entire of the last series pretty much revolve around her and then have the payoff spoilers be that she marries the doctor despite the fact that there's absolutely literally no reason for them to get married at all whatsoever even slightly and I think that gap in the middle was a fucking mistake because I just I forgot what happened in the first half of the series because um, I've got a te- I've got I freely admit this nearly every episode that I've got a terrible terrible memory that again, I don't know how much of that is, is bumfuckery from the BBC. I'm really scared of it this seat. That's why I'm not looking forward to it, partly because I know Alex Kingston's going to be, well, River Song's going to be in it again. It's just my Sweden because I'm sick of her now. I'm, I'm done with her. Um, yeah, but unfortunately, she's the 11th Doctor's thing, isn't she? If you know. Yeah. But I am... Um, Stephen Moffat's thing, so you, you're kind of stuck with her a bit. It's quite funny, though, because he's actually come out and admitted that he thinks making that whole series be pretty much about her was a mistake, and he realises it now. <laughs> The thing is, it's like, as individual episodes, I think there was some brilliant stuff in the last Do you know what? The Girl Who Waited is one of the greatest episodes. Yes, I was about to say. Like, I cannot say enough good things about that episode. In fact, I I liked it so much that I immediately went on Twitter and told the writer so much. And I don't... That episode made me cry. Do you know what? I I didn't... I I was crying inside where it counts because I didn't want Rich to think I was lame, so I didn't want to cry with my actual eyes. I don't like people thinking I'm lame. Unfortunately, I am a sucker for stuff like that. And just the end of it, I was just like, that's so sad that's the saddest thing ever yeah I thought that, like you say individually some of the episodes are very good like every season of Doctor Who you get some episodes that you really enjoy some episodes that you think are okay and some episodes that maybe don't quite strike a chord with you but that's the brilliant thing about Doctor Who is the fact that every episode is different that there's going to be something for everybody and you know you're not going to like every single one but that's that's fine because next week you probably will but th- like I say I mean there were so many details lost over that break that by the time the new the new part started I didn't really know where I was that and what was happening and I hated this whole Amy's pregnancy storyline and all the stuff with River was shit and you know do you know what got me the most as well was all the begin up that they did for that sort of half that midpoint cliffhanger like oh what's gonna happen well we all know the baby survives because she's river so there's no tension in this hang this cliffhanger we know the doctor's gonna be fine because he always is and we've seen future doctor anyway in the earlier episodes so (laughs) you know there's literally no threat here you've just done a cliffhanger of nothing it doesn't it doesn't mean anything to me and then there was a massive break and then it came back and it was a bit sort of (laughs) see I've less issues with Stephen Moffat than I did with Russell Davis as an era so I think in terms of writing and and stuff yes like there are a lot I find it difficult now that I've seen Russell Davis tends to write himself in the corner and then go but the doctor is Jesus I mean one point literally he was Jesus 
yeah, no, that that did bother me. But I, I think it's difficult now to go back and watch episodes from the Eccleston and um, Tennant eras because Series 5 of Doctor Who was probably one of the greatest things I've ever seen. And some of the episodes from the last series were very, very good. But I don't know, I just think the way it was structured last series and the, the main focal point of last series just and how the silence didn't really turn out to be as exciting as they should have been given the first couple of episodes I don't no, know yeah, yeah the, the main plot didn't, didn't quite come off I didn't think yeah so now I'm worried about this series because I know there's going to be a gap again and there's going to be a Christmas special in the middle of that gap if I'm if I'm working yeah this I, I think they're doing they're doing a run and then they're writing out Amy and Rory, aren't they? And then they're having a gap and then introducing the new companion in the new series. Did you know that they're doing, at starting next Monday, which means that this podcast won't be out by then, so it'll have already happened, um, 27... Sure, how long does it take to edit something? Far too fucking long, mate. I get really sick of the sound of my own voice. No, I do the Detecting Rules edit now. And it's I hard. Running it's... up and... Particularly you're trying to get one bit and you're trying to run it back and down like a five-second clip or whatever. <laughs> But yet, as of the 27th, they're doing a five, I think it's a five, or it could be a seven-part webby series thing of Amy and Rory called Pond Life, which I hate the name of. Fucking Pond Life. Get a fucking group. They're the Williamses for a fucking start, but that's not the point. Um, so I don't know whether to like bother watching that or not. It could be interesting, maybe, I guess. They'll, they'll probably compile it at some point. I guess it depends. Yeah, I would have thought so. But I'd, I'm just scared of next series because as much as I think Matt Smith is absolutely fantastic and I love him, and I, I do have, you know, I've seen that Moffat can do some amazing, amazing things with Doctor Who. I just think a lot of the choices made last series were so not what I was looking for that it's I, I'm scared of next season See, I, as opposed to exploited I, for it. <laughs> I always have some sympathy for, for people writing Doctor Who because Doctor Who's got to sell, yeah. um, you know, got to essentially sell itself to essentially, you know, eight, nine-year-olds and to sell, it, sell itself to, like, really hard-care, neck-beard-wielding fans who've been watching it for 50 years. Yeah. You know? And to a certain extent, whichever way they go, they get it wrong. So I always have some sympathy for the writers and creators of it. And it's like, because, I, again, I agree with a lot of what you said, and I do have you know some issues with it and I have some issues with how Russell Davis wrote it or whatever but it's really hard to write I, the number of shows that try and sit in that slot where a family can get around to watch it and get it horribly horribly wrong if you say oh yeah it's easy to write a show like that it isn't because there's so many examples of shows that are trying to go for that slot and just being fucking atrocious <laughs> you know what I mean yeah it's like it's like sitcoms, you know, you look at it and go, like, how many terrible sitcoms are there for every sitcom that's great? How many terrible, terrible ones are there? I mean, we're big fans of community, even we're seeing community. Oh, adore community. Right, it's on, the second series on BBC is on Sony TV in the UK. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how you're watching it, but that's how I'm watching it. And, <laughs> and um, there's, a, there's, a, there's another half hour on before it, and it's up falling and it's like we'll wait for community to come on we'll watch anything but this half hour of anti-comedy that's on before it oh, I want to know what that is I can't remember what it's called but it's like you know it's one of these like wacky family sitcoms oh dear you know of that kind of vein you know, they live in a house and they've got ooh, sitcom problems it's 
so poor and you're like, but this let me stab is trying to do that kind of thing and you're just like everyone says, Oh well it's easy to do comedy. It clearly isn't because for every good comedy show there's dozens of dreadful ones. And I think Doctor Who suffers from the same problem slightly that you know, to be as good as it is. And Merlin thing, I really like Merlin, Merlin's coming back after it as well. So you know, they, they do get it right and that takes more effort than I think what people often give fans give it credit for. I think I don't know, I think as I said before, I think sometimes it you know, as as fans or critics or whatever, you've got to turn around and say, That's pretty good for what it is. Oh yeah. You know, for, for what, it, it, what it's trying to do, it's achieving it, and for the problems that it has, it's achieving it mm-hmm. without kind of forgiving it its flaws, I guess. I think that that was the the problem for me with the last series was the fact that I know what Doctor Who can be. Like series five, to me, there's very little about that series that I didn't like, and so like having that as a base point of awesomeness as like <laughs> that was like the stick I was measuring series six by, and it just didn't. Even though individually a couple of the episodes, I actually think were better than anything that Series 5 came out with. I still was disappointed on the whole, and I think it's because I know that it can be amazing. It's just that sometimes it, it kind of trips over its own feet a bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've always, we, we've been watching a lot of classic Doctor Who recently because we've got, um, on our Luton subscription, I've just set up a list of like, and I've put every classic Doctor Who DVD I could find on it. <laughs> So like once a week we get they send us a Doctor Who in the post and we watch it sit down on a Sunday afternoon with tea and watch it and the quality is very variable of classic Doctor Who I would say <laughs> you know any criticism you make about the variable quality of the current series could definitely be applied to the classic series <laughs> you know like and some of them genuinely stand up really well yeah you know hand on heart you know that's still really good or like the sets are a bit wobbly and the special effects are terrible but in terms of the story or whatever it pulls together really well and some of them you just sat there sort of chewing your your, your ankles off going this is really bad <laughs> I've only ever seen ever them what have I seen I've seen the five doctors which I actually really enjoyed um, and I've seen oh, I've also seen I don't know which series it's from it was a Tom Baker one and it had some sort of Sontaran thing in it and they just it was so funny because it, it was essentially a two-parter of pissing about in a field with some baked potatoes that is it, nothing really happened aside from the fact that there were some baked potatoes in spacesuits and and fields I have no idea what the point of it was at all um, so that was pretty terrible but then again Tom Baker oh he's got such a cute little face well, we've seen probably a serial a week all this year Yes, it's quite a lot. And like I said, it, it is definitely all over the place in terms of quality. <laughs> I would like to watch more, but I am scared that I'll like dip too many times into the terrible bits and think, nah, this is shit, I can't do it. Well, what's weird is sometimes it just lets it, sometimes it's just too ambitious. If you see I mean, they're trying to do something that the set effects won't support or the set won't support or the actors won't support or whatever, they can't get it across. Yeah. It's like, so it's like, we've got this great idea, we can really do this really well, but unfortunately it's three guys in the you know, in a quarry and the BBC haven't given any money or at least nowadays we get like proper special effects and support the BBC supports it because it sells it all over the world it's a huge mm-hmm. huge success are you a Torchwood watcher? I well, I, I did indeed sit all the way through that last terrible series yes it was awful wasn't it? <laughs> I was just going to ask you what you thought about Miracle Day um, it was awful garbage is the term that comes to mind if it was half the length it might have been a lot better I, I, liked, I liked Children of Earth you see I thought it was just it had, you know it, it had some huge holes in the plot but it moved yeah. at such a pace it got away with it it's like there, there was there were decisions in that that didn't make any sense to me like the fact that everybody got behind that like child rapist murderer guy after he'd just come out and went oh well I can't die now so I'm sorry and like <laughs> it's, it's, it's like that decision in Marvel Comics recently where they made Norman Osborn like 
King of Shield or something because he happened to kill a scroll. It's like, no, killing one scroll does not make up for destroying towns and, and lives and killing people and repeatedly trying to murder Spider-Man in the face. Like, that does not make it... What are you doing? Sticking him as the head of, like, you know, Weapon Central? The problem I had with Miracle Day is Miracle Cap Day kept going, oh, well, you haven't covered this thing, but it turns out that thing doesn't matter. There's another secret. Oh, right, look for that secret. No, that secret doesn't matter either. And they even have a scene where they sit down with that bloke from Ghostbusters who basically goes, yes, you found out our secret corporation, but really, we don't know what's going on. Those four seasons, four episodes of invest, four hours of investigating this, and the bloke, the, the bloke from Ghostbusters, whose name no one can ever remember, turns up and tells you it was awful often. I don't remember his real name, but I do remember turning to Rich as we were watching, well, I say we were watching it, he was probably reading comics or something because he hates uh, John Barrowman anyway, so he won't watch he won't watch Torchwood at all but you know we, we t- I turned around to him after and I was like if Winston Zedmore can't save your show then you have failed at- but then he did the same again with um, Nana Visitor from Deep Space Nine who turned up at the end of one episode and said I can tell you all these secrets oh no wait no I can't and then died <laughs> oh, <laughs> terrible like, what the hell is this terrible and I just kept watching it because I'd like I'd watched most of it by that point I was like actually I'm going to get right to the end where they see a giant space vagina which no one understands anyway oh gosh do you know what that was ridiculous people kept saying to me like oh why do you keep going with these sorts of and I'm like because I keep hoping in, in vainly hoping that the ending will be so great that I'll forgive it all it's it's like being human I was talking about this um not long ago I, I gave I, in fairness I, I heard you ranting about that on another yeah. episode and it's like I didn't dislike it but I just stopped watching it it's just like I didn't feel like watching anymore mm-hmm. which almost feels worse than actively disliking it yeah oh, well, I think the biggest problem for me is that I'm obviously going to start watching next series just just to give it a chance because uh, th- there's this whole thing at the moment where you, c- you you know you can't judge something unless you've given it a go but the thing is I know for a fact as soon as I've started giving it a go I'll want to watch all of it regardless of whether it's any good <laughs> but the super thing is there are shows that are objectively terrible or I feel that are objectively terrible but I really enjoy like True Blood right now I'm a couple of seasons behind on True Blood right I'm a couple of seasons behind on it but it's just a stupid blood and sex pantomime I cannot take it even remotely seriously. It, are you on the series with Russell yet? Or? No, no, we're just about to start the third season, I think. Ah, oh, that's that's the series with Russell. Yes, it, up until that point, I thought it was amazing. Like in, like you say, it's not, you know, the classiest thing you can watch. But It's on HBO. HBO is like the classy TV channel. <laughs> it makes strict blood. What's that about? It's ridiculous. But what I loved about it was it's just like, it's vampires and it's sexy. It's like, yeah, okay. it's a bit of, you know, it's harmless in the sense that it's not something you would, you know, you won't be devastated if you have to miss an episode for some reason. Like, it's we not... did. <laughs> three, we had a disco missing in the post from Love Film. Oh, no! And then we just got the next one, and that disc never turned up. And we're like, well, we could just watch the next disc. I'm sure you won't miss it. We just put the next disc on and we'd miss nothing. Yeah, it's like very, well, very little... Well, just some boobs, but that was it's, it. Um, it's harmless TV that's, like, fun enough. But the, the problem for me was that Series 4 just went in a direction that I could not stand. And, like, I, w- I won't ruin it for you because obviously, you know, you're watching it. But the the big bad of that season was not interesting to me in the slightest. So I found that whole series really hard to take. In fairness, from the first two series, I felt like the, every time it tried to take itself seriously, it kind of tripped up a little bit. Yeah, it does try and take itself a bit more seriously in Series 4, which I didn't really like. It, series 5 is better because I'm watching that at the moment. But it's... 
uh, it's got a, you know how True Blood always seems to have like the one big bad main storyline and then a couple of random things going on maybe a storyline with Sab or maybe a storyline with Tara or whatever yeah, yeah there's a couple of those going on and they're not interesting either so, so it's like whenever whenever the big bad of this series is on the screen I'm like yes interested and then uh, you know someone else will come on and I'm like I'll just check Twitter on my phone Let's have a look at Twitter. <laughs> I, uh, I, it's weird because it, the thing is, it's like, but to a certain extent, I, those kind of shows we watch to kind of detox slightly because we do watch quite a lot of like, you know, kind of more serious TV, like the kind yeah. of you know, the, the Deadwoods and the Wires and the, those, you know, that kind of really heavily serialised and Mad Men and those kind of serialised shows you've got to concentrate to watch. Yeah. Not to stick in like Castle or True Blood or something like that. It's like it's great because. They just like fun, and it's not. I don't have to sit there and deeply concentrate or go. Shit, who's that character? I missed five minutes. What? No, I um, I do, I do enjoy it, but I think it, it kind of lost its way as series four. But it might be getting back on track for me now, so I'd be quite happy with that. I'm going to steer it back to films again now because I've seen two films that I wanted to mention. (laughs) And we have been on the phone for like an hour and 40 minutes. So I saw, and now I haven't read the book, so I will preface this by saying that, I saw Hunger Games for the first time the other day and I was kind of amazed by it. Simply because, you know, from the very start, I'm probably going to spoil this, by the way, guys. You know from the very start that Katniss has to survive this film, at least. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, guys. Um, it's pretty major spoilage but you know that from the offset but I was still on the edge of my seat heart in my throat kind of nervous on her behalf watching it and I thought that was perfect because there are very there are very few films where I actually give that much of a shit that I get upset or scared on behalf of the people in it. I think it's the nature of it. For those who don't know, I actually missed the little story part at the start that explains how they got to this. Maybe you could explain this to me. There's a, a bit of like dialogue-y, well, writing at the start that tells you why they've re- they've started doing these Hunger Games, and I miss that entirely. <laughs> so I've got... It's something to do... Oh, God, I can't remember now. It's something to do with the fact that there was once... There was like a war, and there was some sort of rebellion, and... And then they do. They, it's, it was started out as a way of kind of like keeping the the peasants under control. Basically, they tied their kids off and made them fight to the death. Okay. And then um, it became a big tradition. And a TV show, apparently. Yeah, I I think the whole premise of it is. I've got the books downstairs, but I haven't read them yet. Oh, I, I need to read them now. I think the whole premise of it is very um. It's kind of disturbing. And although it wasn't particularly... I mean, it was nowhere near Battle Royale levels of terrifying children murdering each other gory, but it still made me feel really uncomfortable to see kids get so into it, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah, particularly the the ones from the... All the, the, the sectors are numbered, aren't they, basically? Yeah, so, yeah. It's the district, sorry, the districts, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Um, I can't be the first person to have been disappointed that the District 9 one wasn't an alien. Uh, Rich said there's got to be some sort of... Um, <laughs> some sort of thing online where somebody's like superimposed a picture of some prawn yeah some sort of <laughs> some fucking prawn yeah that would and be the contestant from District 9 has won again I would love that but yeah I mean it is it, it's kind of disturbing to think and I suppose that's the whole point of it is that it's how the different people react to that situation of, of kill or be killed kind of thing. Some of them, though, just become like just such bastards. Well, the, the thing about the, the, the kids from District 1 and 2, they've been trained for, they've basically been trained for years. They've volunteered, haven't they? To, I can't remember, they've got a different name, haven't they? But they've gone to special schools to be trained to be psychopaths. Yeah, it's kind of terrifying. 
I'll tell you what I thought was really interesting. I don't know if it's true in the book, but it has in the film. Is the fact that basically Peter and Katniss kind of have gender reversed roles for these kind of films normally. Yeah, I noticed that. I like Peter's, that. Peter's got the girl role. He, he's the one that gets injured and has to be saved and ha- tries to sacrifice himself for the hero and ha- does all the touchy-feely emotion stuff. I liked that a bit. Katniss is the one that's kind of like not very emotional and taciturn and doesn't speak much and like kicks ass. I thought that's really clever and really well done. Yeah, I just, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really well done because I think a film that can make it, that, that you can enjoy but at the same time will make you feel slightly uncomfortable for watching it. That's pretty impressive because <laughs> I, I, I was watching it thinking, good heavens, if, I, <sighs> if I'd have had kids, like if that was the world we were living in, I don't think I'd ever want to have kids. Oh, horrible. It's pretty dark as well. It's quite a hard 12, I thought. Oh, yeah. I think if it had been any more gory, because that's something I never mentioned about The Dark Knight Rises. I love the fact that you never once see any blood in that film and that's how it gets away with being a lower rating than an 18. Yeah, we've had some discussion about like what age we let you in watch these kind of films. Because, like, yeah. Spider-Man's 12, we took him to see that. Avengers, we took him to see. And it melted part of his brain with its awesomeness. <laughs> Seriously, he just sat there with his mouth open for like two hours like, and we'd talk about anything else for about a week afterwards. <laughs> I, um, I, I would seriously, like, I had to really question, you know, I know it was a terrible event when there was that shooting in America at the, the Batman, the Dark Knight Rises um, premiere. I couldn't help but think, like, who is taking their children to see a midnight showing of a film? So, I mean, I'm not blaming, I'm not saying it's their fault, but, you know, in my head, that's the kind of film I would want to go and see first on my own to screen it for my children. Because although it might be a 15 or a 12A or whatever it is, you know, it's pretty long and serious and a bit dark. And to be honest, I don't think it's that fun for children because it's not like... The Avengers is very, very fun and I can see kids being held by it and and captivated by it whereas Batman is a bit more sort of you have to pay attention and there's quite a lot of dialogue and there's quite a lot of scenes where nothing much is happening if you're a kid you haven't seen Batman Begins and you really enjoyed it uh, we haven't let see Dark Knight yet, but probably made by Christmas. We've got ten and a half. It'll be all right with it, I think. Certainly in the home, it'll be all right with it. Yeah. I said he loved Avengers, and he really liked Spider Man. So yeah, but I think Hunger Games again, probably a bit grown up for him. It's a bit savage yeah. in places. If that if that film had been, if Hunger Games had been even slightly gorier, it would have been so uncomfortable. Like some of the bits really upset me anyway. I mean, um, the the bit with the little girl, oh, broke my heart. I know. But that said, you know, the Hunger Games books are, you know, they're they're, they're for kind of the 12 to 15 year old market. So if you'd made the film where 12 to 15 year olds couldn't see it, you'd done it wrong, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, quite possibly. (laughs) (laughs) That's who you're selling the books to. And then you're saying, oh, you you know, it's it's like the bloody Batman toys using the Batman branding from the films, you know, and then sell them to kids who basically can't go and see it. Yeah, that's just messed up. But yeah, um, Hunger. I'm blatantly going to have to go and, and read the books now because oh, I just I just thoroughly enjoyed watching it, despite the fact that it's. You tell people about it, like I was talking to some people at work about it, and they were just like, "That sounds like I don't want to watch children kill each other." What? Why are you watching these horrible films? But this was the same woman who said that she didn't like In Bruges because the fact that he killed a boy and it really upset her. I liked In Bruges. 
I was like, in Bruce, it's like my second favourite film because it's fucking brilliant. That's a film that a lot of people haven't seen, but most people have seen it. Have really, really enjoyed. It was it was my line manager actually. Like we were agreeing to um, watch each other's favourite films, and she couldn't get a hold of Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which is my favourite film. So she went for In Bruges instead, and she was like, oh no. She said, I just don't. I don't. She kept saying, I don't understand why he had to kill a child at the beginning, and I was like, because that's that, the plot. That's, that's the plot. Off the whole chain of events that has him stuck in Bruges for a while. It's <laughs> like, um, kind of the main plot point. That is the plot. <laughs> Um, but yeah, she's a bit doolally, so I'll let her off, maybe, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, so Hunger Games, definitely, uh, yeah, watch, watch yeah. if you haven't seen it. And um, the other film that I was going to quickly mention was that I went to see Ted the other day, which was so hilarious. It was one of those films I was a bit sort of apprehensive about seeing, simply because you find a lot with comedies that they shovel the, all the funny bits into the trailer, so that when you see the film, there's actually nothing else that's, that's that funny. And I know that they kind of have to do that with the trailer, because they're trying to sell you on the film, but it really ruins it when you go and the funniest parts you've already seen but this was I can't recall a point in the film at which I wasn't laughing <laughs> it was definitely it, one of those films where I saw a trailer for it and I thought that's either going to be really good or it's going to be terrible yeah I mean it's very much geared sort of sense of humour of you know if you enjoy things like, if you enjoy Family Guy if you enjoy American Dad if you like a bit of silly humour and vulgar humour you will enjoy this film I mean the, the biggest setback for me as I was going into it, was was Mark Wahlberg because I don't like him as an actor at all. I don't think he's very good. But in this, I, he didn't really need to be good, and I think he knew it. And he, it was actually quite a natural performance. Really, I, I thought it was very good. And and I didn't realise because she wasn't in the trailer that Mila Kunis was in it, and she's hot. So. Oh well, right, okay. <laughs> Fake teddy bears and hot chicks. I'm right there. I, I, you know, I mean, I mean, that's what the Muppets had Amy Adams in it. I was right there for that. Yeah. She's she's beautiful as well. And uh, there's a bit of a, I'm not going to spoil who it is, but there's a bit of a cameo in there that was a bit um well right up my alley, shall we say? <laughs> oh, it's just it's I mean it's a bit on the vulgar side and it's a bit on the silly side, um, but it is very very funny. Um, the end is a bit twee, but these films are, aren't they? Really, you know. Yeah, but you know, it's like it, not everything has to be kind of like a savage indictment of society, does it? Exactly. You know, it's I, it, it was fine. I would definitely get. I'd quite like to see it again at the cinema, to be honest, because it was uh, it was very funny. And you know, oh, when you laugh, gotta, sorry, you gotta, know, when you laugh too hard that you um that you miss bits. <laughs> I think I did that a couple of times, so I do feel I need to see it. Because we've got babysitter in a couple of weeks, I think it might be Ted or Expendables two that we end up with the choice of going to see. Ooh. Ooh. Decisions depend on our mood at the time. Mm. Well, if I've seen Expendables by that time, then I will tell you my choice. Because <laughs> it really depends. Like, do you want to see someone getting punched, or do you want to see a teddy bear, you know, taking a slash? Oh, it's just so funny. Because I really want to go and see Judge Dredd, but it's not out till the week after when my parents who babysit are going on holiday for three weeks. Oh, that's so. I almost certainly miss Dredd at the cinema, which is a shame because I would really like to see it. I'm then, I'm not sure about Dredd, mostly because for two reasons. I've only ever read like two Dread stories and I wasn't particularly sold on either of them. And also there's some music in the trailer that I'm hoping does not get you. 
Uh, and it's it's all the scenes relating to the drugs. I'm not going to spoil it more than that. The trailer used the music from another film, though. Quite possibly. I'm not sure. But that bit of music, if it's in the film, will do my Sweden. It's awful. It's, it's like really... The thing is, I, I mean, I didn't read superhero comics as a kid. I read 2000 AD. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm like... That that's my kind of affection for it, and then in the last couple of years, I've got back into reading the kind of dread stuff. I've got again, typically I've got trades, but I've got quite back into reading that kind of stuff again. So it's like, oh yeah, a dread movie. If they and it's actually quite like low budget, gritty, and kind of you know quite hard violence. I'm kind of like, yeah, that's that's how it should be made. So they too, and I like the look of the uniforms. I like the look of Mega City One. I like the feel of it. And I'm kind of like, yeah, I could get behind it. I'm quite you know. Yeah. I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it. I'd like it to work. I'd like. I'd love it to work. I think is the other thing. Mm-hmm. You really want a film to succeed. You want it to be good. Yeah, I do. I do like the look of it, but I just think I'm not excited for it because it's not something that I've got much investment in. If that makes sense. Like yeah. I'm excited by Iron Man three because. I like Iron Man comics. I like the previous two films. There's people, you know, there's actors in it that I like. But I don't think I've ever seen Keith Urban in anything. And if I have, I've entirely forgotten him. So, you know, it's not, there's nothing. He's in Lord of the Rings and he was in... Is he? Yeah, Carl Urban. He's Aima. I don't remember who that is. I um, I should point out that I don't really like Lord of the Rings. He's the shouty shouty horse boss guy. (laughs) The one that wasn't captured the Titanic. (laughs) Right, okay. Is that helping at all? Vaguely. I really haven't seen them since I saw them at the cinema, so it, uh, my memory of it is hazy at best. Oh, for shit's sake. Sorry, there's a spider on my uh, on my desk. I might have to kill it with that book. But then if I kill it with the book, I won't be able to read the book because it'll be on it. Oh, Don't kill um, it with the book. And what am I going to do? He's there looking at me with his eight eyes. Who needs eight eyes? That's ridiculous. Spiders need eight eyes. <sighs> get away it's so close to my underpants drawer it's ridiculous (laughs) get the fuck away from there mate oh i'm gonna have to try and sort this out somehow but i'm scared of spiders so i don't know how you you put a glass on top of it and you can just sit sit there going Uh, my glass has still got seven up on it and now he's on my book and i don't want to ruin my book anyway drink your seven up and then put your glass on it i don't want to put my glass on my book now that he's on there oh shit where's he gone oh just nestle under my book fucking hell I might have to squash him with the book and then get Rich to wipe him off later. Oh, what probably off? she, you know. Probably. It's coming out. Oh, I'm frightened. Oh, I'm frightened. Yeah. Sorry. I'm just. Uh, I'm just going to text Rich and ask him to come up and squash it for me, <laughs> which is the stupidest thing I've ever had to do in my life. But I don't want it this close to my head when I go to bed. Kevin Richard, can you come and squash a spider for me? Love you, pudding. <laughs> Like the death of feminism life. I'm so sorry. Uh, do you know what? I'm such a wuss. Um, the other day, like me and Rich have a surprisingly active social life, given the fact that we haven't got much money. Um, so we very rarely have like any time free to like really clean that, like thoroughly clean the house. So we like vac and, and dust and stuff, but not like. So the other day, I had to take a day off work to like really like gut the house, and I had to invite my mum over as well to to help me because I was scared there'd be spiders. See, oddly enough, my whenever my mum comes over she cleans the house it drives me mad really yeah because she'll come well basically she will be at work if she's coming to pick the kids up to babysit for the evening she'll come and pick them straight up from school well, she'll be, and, and then take them to her so she'll come up to hours get a coffee because she's got a key 
and get a coffee at ours and then go put the kids up and then go straight home so we won't see her. But we'll come home, we'll know she's been because she's done all the washing up and put stuff away. Oh dear. And it's kind of like, well, my house is not that dirty. You don't have to. Oh, I'm just trying to help. But I don't want to say too much. She might stop doing it and then I'll have to do washing up. <laughs> I'm just staring at it now until Rich comes upstairs. It's terrifying me. It's so small as well, guys. I cannot even express how ridiculous my fear of spiders is. Is this why you haven't watched the Lord of the Rings film again? Because of the big fucking spider. Do you know what? We went to see... Oh, yeah, pop- Oh, I don't like it at all. Get out of there. You can have real problems when they make The Hobbit, you know. Oh, yeah, I'm probably not going to go and see it. Oh, it's out of my sock drawer. Thank fuck for that. Oh, it's really running away. I don't know where it's going to... What are you doing? Um, No, we went to see the Lord of the Rings stage show. Oh, fuck. Fuck, it's going for my slippers. You are not going for my slippers. Going for your slippers. He's going to drag it off and to make it into a nest. Yeah, he is as well. Um, we went to see the Lord of the Rings stage show and the... um, Is it Shelob? Yeah. The, the big spot that that was fucking terrifying. I'm not even kidding. No, I know. I I was not happy with that in the movie either. I was a bit like, it's a fucking giant spider. I hated that bit in Harry Potter as well, where they had to follow the spiders. Oh uh, yeah, god yeah. Into the giant spider nest. Fuck that noise. Where's it gone? I wasn't I, so bad with that. I thought because the effects weren't as good. I've lost it now and I'm scared. Oh, it's in my fucking drawer. Shut the drawer then, and then it's stuck in there forever. But I have, but my socks are in there. Yeah, but then when Rich can come up and he can go in your sock drawer and, you know, bravely slay it or whatever it is you need him to do with it. Uh, murder it in the face. Oh, God. That, that works. Well, I'm just going to stare at this drawer until Rich comes up. Hello, Richard. He's in my sock drawer. I'm frightened. If you pull open my sock drawer, he was right on the edge of it earlier. The second drawer down. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no, he's, like, proper in there. Of course he is. You shouldn't have killed him. I didn't... I couldn't, because I didn't have any means to... Oh. You couldn't kill it because he was looking at you, and you thought, oh, it'll probably have about a thousand babies in a corner somewhere, and then they'd be orphaned. I don't suppose you can just have a little look in the socks. Sorry. I know I'm a penis, but... He's not massive, but... I can't get your drawer out. That's as far as the drawer goes. Yeah, I can't maybe get it out because you check anything. Now you're going to throw him on the bed. Don't be doing that, because what if he's not... What if he's on him and now you've put it on my side of the bed? What is that about? I don't like it. Sorry, Matt. I'm I'm aware of a twat that I am being right now. I think you should leave it in. Oh, God. What a horrible episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. No idea where he's gone. Um, Where were we anyway? (laughs) Before I had an absolute hissy fit. I can't remember. We were talking about we were talking about film. We were talking about the Hunger Games, and then we talked. Uh, about then we talked about Ted. And then he got attacked by spiders. It was Ted, wasn't it? I was talking. Ted, yeah. Yeah, that was really funny. Unlike the spider experience I'm having currently. Dread. Oh yeah, we were talking about dread. Yeah, so I'll probably end up going to see it, I guess, but I don't know sort of when or how that will happen. We got trailers for Spider-Man for uh, the new Bond film, The Hobbit, and. Looper, which looks like it could, could, could be quite. Looper looks quite good, yeah. I like. Looper. Interesting idea. Mhm. And it's got that John Gordon Gads bloke in it as well. Is it John? Because I think I've just decided in my head just now that it's Joseph. I don't know. Shall I have a look? <laughs> if you want to crash the internet, I'm still looking for this. Oh, you're right. It is Joseph. Is it Joseph? Ah, oh, I feel better. I've been calling him John for weeks. I feel better about myself now. I don't feel like such an idiot. Joseph Leonard Gordon-Levitt, apparently is his full name. That is a long-ass name. Nobody needs that many names. That's greedy. I don't know why I read it out in a in, a, in an English accent, because apparently he is proper American. Oh, well. It's always fun to do things in an English accent, I think. I don't know. I just picture him having an English accent. He's got a double-barrel name. He must be English. Isn't that how it works? <laughs> 
yeah, it's exactly how it works. That's when he was in. He was in that. He was in Five Hundred Days of Summer. That's a terrible film. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. It's got that Zoe Deschanel in it. Yeah, it's a film about how much of a cunt she is. Oh, it's terrible. But she's in it being ditty with big eyes, and, you know. Yeah, but she treats him like garbage, and he allows her to treat him. Well, he deserves him. it because he's not me. And 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 it's just terrible and shit. So there you go. <gasps> I liked it. I just thought it was one of those films where I couldn't like either of the main characters, which makes it difficult for me to enjoy it, really. But, oh well. I'm really on edge now, I'm sorry. I'm not being, <laughs> I'm not being very good at podcasting anymore, because I'm scared. <laughs> Being attacked in the face by a tiny crabby spider. Too many spiders. There are too many spiders on the dance floor. I'm not even joking. Aww. The thing is, I'm going to forget about this by the time I go to get a pair of socks tomorrow. So if it attacks me when I'm getting socks, I'm not going to be impressed. You might be fine until you're editing this and then you'll be suddenly like, oh my god, there's a spider in my room. Yeah. Uh, I might have to cut it off here now because I'm just not comfortable in this room at all. Well, we're going to cut ours anyway, so... Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about, like, quickly before we go? Or that you want to plug, or...? No, well, I've, I've plugged the Acting Worlds at the beginning. It's it's great. People should listen to it. It's on the Geek Syndicate network. Oh, is... Geek Syndicate. Those are the days. www.geeksyndicate.co.uk And we are, that's, our, that's our home. We can be found there. And we're fabulous. I am. Um, I was listening to an old episode of Geek Syndicate the other day. It was my uh, first foray into the world of podcasting. It's addictive, isn't it? I was. Uh, yeah, it is a bit. I was feeling a bit nostalgic, and then it made me really feel sad that the um, the comic forums don't. Well, they do exist, but they lost, like, all of the old forums. And it made me sad because at the end of the episode, Barry was defending my honour against somebody who'd said that um, I wasn't geeky enough to be on the show. And uh, and I can't remember for the life of me who it was. And he never said because obviously he didn't want to call them out on the podcast. And I was like, oh, I'm desperate to go on then. That, who it that, was. that, again, that's another fucking sucky attitude. Do you know what? Job. My my problem with, with geekiness is, as I've mentioned before, my memory more than anything else. Because, I mean, at the time that I was on Geek Syndicate, I'd literally only been reading comics for about six months. But my memory's so bad that what I had read, I forgot a lot about. So, you know, I, I enjoyed stuff and I, you know, went to conventions and I've... Yeah, but where know, where is it written? There's like a checklist of stuff you've got to have done before you get a badge saying you're a geek. Yeah. You know, it's like, and also, who appointed who to say who is and who isn't? It's like, it's a badge you identify with yourself. If you think you are, you probably are. Yeah, and what annoys me is the people who try and take that badge away when you like things other than geeky things. It's like, ugh, you like wrestling? Nope, give back your geeky card. I'm like, um, why? I like, I like, I like some sports. I follow the football. I like some sports. I like some terrible TV shows like America's Next Top Model. I'll, I'll freely admit it. You know, there's loads of, like I said, I've never owned a Marvel comic. Do I get my geek badge taken off me? Does someone come along and strip it off my desk? Yeah, just slap you. No. You're not a proper geek. You haven't read Captain America issue 37 where he punches Hitler. That's a good issue. <laughs> 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 I have you know what I mean? It's like, I mean, if you look at my bookshelf, you clearly know that I was a geek. But, you know, at the same time, it's like there's huge amounts of that. It's not, I don't know everything about everything. And it's ridiculous to turn around and say, oh, well, you don't know about this. Yeah, it is mental. But anyway, not to end it on a, on a note where I'm bitter about people telling me I'm not a geek. If you guys would like to contact me about the show to comment on spiders in my socks or... <laughs> or Anything tips too. Yeah, exactly. Um, I th- I'm not good at those because I'm too scared to get close enough to kill them. But, <laughs> oh well. Do um, you own a spider hunting company? If so, contact us on. 
Yeah, exactly. Stacey'sParlor at gmail.com. Please tell me how to get spiders out of my house at all times. I've, I've got conkers all over the fucking place trying to get rid of them because apparently they don't like conkers. But Sorry, say that again. Spiders don't like conkers. Spiders don't like... Is that because their legs are too short to wield them properly? And so they always lose. <laughs> I think it's something to do with some smell or something about the conkers, but not 100%. Spiders would own at conkers. They've got, like, eight arms. <laughs> only the big spiders would be any good at conkers, though, wouldn't they? Um, but, yeah, I've got, like, little bowls of conkers. So if anyone's got any ideas on how to keep spiders out of my house without just literally filling it with conkers, <laughs> that, that would be great, because I'd like to be able to manoeuvre about my own house. <laughs> <clears throat> I should have killed it when it was under the book. Anyway, yes, um, you can contact me at uh, stacysparlour at gmail.com or on the Twitters. I am StaceBobT with a capital S and a capital T. Do you want to share your Twitter handle, good sir? Or are you yes, I am, I am also on the Twitter. I am at the Grampus, T-H-E-G-R-A-M-P-U-S. I have to ask, why the Grampus? Um, because it's a forum web handle and gaming handle I've used for years and years. Ah, oh, okay. But it's actually named after a character from 2008. Oh, right. Who was an alien, mer- he's a Clegg, he's an alien mercenary from the Judge Cowell storyline back in the early 80s. He's a giant space lizard. I like it. I like it already. So I've just used it as a, like a name for online, you know, MMO characters and forum handles and stuff for a few years. So I've always gone with some variation of Stace Bob, which thinking about it now is cheating slightly because it is very similar to my actual name. <laughs> oh well, bye. Oh everybody. well, I'm going off to kill a spider, maybe, perhaps if I'm not scared enough to shoot my pants and can actually kill it. Oh, I'm sorry. What a terrible end to a show. <laughs> I don't know. It's quite amusing. <laughs> Well, I've closed all the drawers quite securely now, so I would imagine he ain't getting out of there any time soon. So he's got to still be in there somewhere. But if he can travel between drawers somehow, then that's even more terrifying, because who knows where I'll turn up. As long as he's a super-powered spider. Could be. You don't know. By a radioactive man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a bit by the radioactive man from the... He's become man-spider. <laughs> a spider with the powers of a man. <laughs> Oh, that'd be rubbish, wouldn't it? A spider, like, he wouldn't really be able to do anything. By day, by day he is a spider. By, by night, he has to go to work in an office and file some paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the poor thing. He's going to be even poorer when he's dead. The fuck, <laughs> fuck face. Well, it was lovely having you on the show, anyway. Nice to be on, yes. I do, I do apologise that it was uh, terrible towards the end. I am. Um, I don't mean to be so shitty pants scared of tiny, tiny spiders, but I am so... <laughs> I, 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 I sympathise. I think I mentioned earlier I'm not a big fan of spiders myself. Anyway, toodle-pip. Bye. Ladybug, ladybug, poke your head out of the rug and come see me and bring your jug. When you come see me, that's when you get your good love Down below, fuzzy long, there's some romance going on You've been stepping around with a beetle named John I can't tell, cause you got your little long dress on For we were living in the flower, cold tuxedo in the shower Gonna cross the room in about an hour Maggie do a dance in the meat when the meat goes sour Maggot do a dance in the meat when the meat goes sour. Come on.